0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Uttersford District Planning Committee meeting. Um, A few points before we start. Uh, I have apologies from Councillor Lemon and from Councillor Lodge, so Councillor Gerard and uh, Councillor Riles are standing in. Um, There are no fire alarms at all planned for today, so if we do have an alarm, please all uh, graduate to the green area in front of the building. Um, Can you please ensure that your mobile phones are all turned off, everybody? No mobile phones. And just to remind you all that the meeting is being recorded and broadcast. Um, Can I sign off the previous minutes from the last meeting? Yep, fine. Everybody, yep, fine. Okay, Ben, if you can organise that. And with that ado, yes, Councillor Davy. Yeah, declarations of interest. Thanks, John. Mike, John.
1: Sorry, I declare an interest in that I know the architects and the builders at UTT 173662 full, but I have no financial interest.
2: Okay. okay. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, member of the Town Council of South Warden Town Council. Two, uh, three items on the agenda: item five and six, which are the police station. Uh, and item 10 which is land at Hilltop Lane uh, we, I, I absented myself from the meeting I'm a member of the meeting but I absented myself during the discussion and the vote on that so I did not prejudice my opinion OK, no, that's
0: fine I presume the same thing for you, Councillor Yes,
3: Mr Chairman, exactly
0: OK, anybody else? No? OK, all fine Right, in that case, we will move on to the first point UTT 173038, land behind the old cement works in Thaxted Road, Saffron Walden, and uh, Mr. Luke Mills will take us through
4: it. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off Thaxted Road in Saffron Walden and comprises an area of open land previously used as a cement works, lime kiln, and scrapyard. It is positioned to the rear of existing residential development at the kilns, which is here, and uh, off Tiptoff Lane, down here. The application is for approval of the reserved matters of layout, scale, appearance and landscaping, following a grant of outline planning permission for a residential development of up to 49 dwellings. The current application proposes 35 dwellings, mostly in the form of two-storey housing, centred on an area of public open space, just here. Larger-scale housing would be positioned towards the western side of the site, so that would be the townhouses and flats, just here. These street scene drawings illustrate the design approach, which includes traditional building forms and materials. The larger scale apartment buildings and townhouses are shown in the bottom image. These drawings show the two storey housing, which would line the northern and eastern parts of the site. That's around the open space. As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered, and it is recommended that approval be granted. Thank you, Luke. Uh,
0: we have no speaker on this particular item. No, we haven't. He's, uh, he's declined to speak. At least one of us is on the ball. Um, okay, in which case I shall throw that open to the committee for their comments. Councillor Freeman.
2: Yes, thank you, Chairman. I've known this application ever since it was first granted. That was for live-work units, of which two were built, and four have not been built. This is for the remaining four. Um, A number of issues. One is that the uh, Town Council points out that it's inconsistent. This development is inconsistent with the emerging neighbourhood plan, which may or may not be material. I'd also draw your attention to item 9.9 on page 13. Unusually, it is an objection from Essex Police. It's very uncommon for the police to make an objection, but this is one such example. And it's an interesting objection. It's their, their point is that there is no security to the rear of the properties. Now, that is absolutely true because along the top and the right hand side of that diagram that's being projected at the moment, it is a field without any lights and you can walk straight into the site uh, from the field uh, it has no security whatsoever there are, eventually there will be lights on Thaxted Row there's lights but they've never been switched on that's a separate story uh, but there is no security from the rear and that is something which falls to us to uh, correct especially as the police have brought it to our attention if it was one of us it wouldn't count for very much but this is the police bringing that to air attention and moving on to the application, Chairman, um, if I can take you to the back page, page 20, uh, the accommodation schedule. If you go towards the bottom of that, plots number 27, 28, 29, all the way through to plot number 32, the size of the garden is a mere 12 metres. That's 3 metres by 4 metres, or whichever way you want to arrive at 12 metres, so are we saying that affordable houses don't have gardens, or the people that live in affordable houses are not allowed to have gardens? It seems to me to be um, excessively mean to have such a, a low level of space for people who may well live in one of these with a family, etc. And Finally, Chairman, my point would be, um, is it not possible to extract some Section 106 monies from this? Because it's not the original use. The original use was for live-work units, the fact that they're non viable is not our fault, uh, and this is a completely fresh development, quite a substantial number of houses. I submit that we should be able to extract some section 106 consideration from this. Thank you.
0: Okay, um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask uh, Luke just to clear up the 12 metres, I believe it's because they're flats, and anyway.
4: Um, pick up on all those points if I may. Uh, The first one about the neighbourhood plan, that's correct, it's not a material consideration, there isn't a neighbourhood plan at this moment in time. Um, As for the police objection, yes that is noted in the report that there is the objection there. Um, I mean at this stage we haven't got the full details of what the boundary treatment would be, Um, so there's a condition that's recommended that prior to commencement those details are agreed, so that would be fencing up to a certain height, 1.82 metres or whatever. Um, Of course, by nature, it does back onto fields, and that's something you need to consider, but it's our view that fencing along there would provide a suitable level of security. Um, As for the 12-square-metre amenity space, they're all two-bedroom flats, so it's nothing to do with the tenure, whether it's affordable or market housing. Um, The Essex Design Guide stipulates that five-square-metre balconies can can be sufficient amenity space on their own for two bedroom flats uh, in this case it's 12 square metre balconies or terraces so it's actually over that, that level so that's considered acceptable on that basis and as for section 106 contributions the time for that would have been when outline planning permission was granted which already has been this is just the reserve matters application so all infrastructure requirements everything has already been looked at with the outline <coughs>
0: Thank you, Luke. Does that answer your questions?
2: It, it does. It does, however, now bring the question is the uh, flats. Are they the three-storey buildings that you showed us earlier? Uh,
4: you... Sorry, thought 27 to 32 is what you were talking about okay. there. In that case, so they are these here, and in the street scene, it's these. Okay, in
2: that case Chairman, I think the regulations now require there to be lifts in dwellings that have that height and I'm absolutely certain there are no lifts in these when the original consent was granted so I suggest that that requirement should now be imposed. Of course it's absurd to have people living on the top floor who if they become disabled for any reason or otherwise encumbered cannot reach their own dwelling. Nowadays we put lifts in buildings
4: so I think there should be lifts in these. Luke, would you like to answer that? Um, the buildings do have lifts in them. It's shown on the submitted drawing. So, yeah, that, that item's covered.
3: Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Yes, it's a quick, let's c- carry on this question of flats, shall we? Um, I think we all accept that if you live in a flat in the middle of town and you have no amenity space or garden, it's sort of OK because you can walk outside and you can play on the common. What we're looking at here is something is built quite a long distance away from any near the town and we're asking people to live in flats with no amenity space of any kind and they're going to have to get onto the main road and walk along Saxted Road until they get to the nearest green space, which would be the common or perhaps the community centre. Um, and is this what we, how we define affordability? Have we put you in a box somewhere where you have no access to medical space. I would not think that's the way... But it's, not, it's not really in keeping with our understanding where flats should be. If we're going to build in these environments, I think we should look at least to some kind of garden. Luke, any comment? No,
0: no
4: opinion. All right, no, as fine. in, um, you know, that, that's for Councillor Fairhurst to, to rightfully make a judgment on that, and that, that's not my place to,
0: to dispute. Councillor Gerard.
5: Thank you, Mr Chairman. I just want to come back, if I can, Mr Mills, just to your issue of the, um, the, the neighbourhood plan, the Saffron Walton emerging neighbourhood plan. you saying it's not material. Perhaps it's not in your opinion, strictly material, but I do believe that it should carry some weight. We have been advised by various inspectors at various appeals over the past months that there are different degrees of weight attributable to various neighbourhood plans at different stages. Um, and only recently, I think, there was a mention about a neighbourhood plan emerging in Thaxted and um, there being some weight attributable to that. So I would like just to clarify, for the purpose of my colleagues here on the, on the Committee, that um, I do believe that the Saffron Walden um, neighbourhood plan is at a stage where it might well have some weight.
6: I would, on the the grounds of the neighbourhood plans, it has very little weight. That's what we can say. I can't turn around and say nothing has no weight, but it has very little weight. And can I also remind members, moving that pertinent discussion on, this is an application for. Uh, just uh, details follow an outline our outline planning permission exists for this application for a lot more houses is it 49 houses? 69. there's an outline planning application for 49, up to 49 dwellings on this site so the principle has been accepted by the authority, this is an application for a lot less than 49 dwellings and so I think the, the principal issue is we're talking about detailed issues and, and the, the scale and, 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 the, and the layout on this particular proposal
0: thank you And just to clarify on that point, how often do we actually get an application which has gone from 49 to 35? It just doesn't normally happen, so
7: there's been some thought put into it. Um, Councillor Riles, I'll come back to you. Could you just point out again the affordable homes and how they are spread equally across the site with the um, market homes?
4: Okay, so we have affordable homes here. So there's three units here, which are two-bedroom houses. And then you've got six flats here. And then these are market units. And then there's a further four affordable units down here as well. And then an affordable bungalow at the end. And all the, the larger properties at the back are all market houses, are they? Uh, that's with,
7: with correct. With the nice views across the, the farmland that, you know, people would die for.
4: These um, ones are the market units.
7: Yeah, and, but the flats are going to look, overlook other properties, front and back with a smaller amenity space that's how it looks yeah yeah that is
4: it's obviously for members to decide whether it's appropriate but part of that is of course down to the fact that the need for affordable units on here is at the smaller end of the scale is in so the size of units required are at the smaller end of the scale so naturally it, we're just looking at these as Two bedroom units, some of which are flats, some of which are houses, and so they will naturally have smaller amenity spaces. Um, as for consideration of whether you think that's a suitable uh, location for the affordable units and things, that's obviously for, for you to decide, but that's the reason they've got the smaller footprints and amenity spaces.
7: Okay, I, I understand they may have smaller footprints. I'm not sure by that code they have to have, um, as we already looked at, only 12 metres. Uh, amenity space, but it would have been nicer to see them spread maybe along that, that, that back part um, it would also, for our um, edification when you put these presentations up, if you could colour code each of those blocks to show which are affordable, that would be a lot easier and a lot more straightforward when we see how the, how the, how the properties are spread um, but that's my, that's my opinion. <clears throat> okay, we'll take that point on board Councillor Wells
8: Yes, um I'm assuming, well you you mentioned that a lot of the flats, or some of the flats were for market housing as well as affordable, so I feel that is covered. And I'm assuming we could condition the fencing along the perimeter. Um, If those are the cases, I'm happy to propose the recommendation.
0: Okay, I'll take that proposal, but I'll let anybody else speak first
3: before I take a seconder. Um, Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, just to come back. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I'd like to quote Councillor Lochlin, in fact, on the subject. As a policy on affordables, we'd like to be a compassionate council, and I think this does not comply with those minimum requirements, so I would not be supporting this. Okay, yes. Councillor Lochlin, you wanted to speak. Uh,
9: no, I, well, when everybody was speaking about the uh, affordables, I wondered whether you had uh, a, a picture or a design of how they will look when they're they're built because all we've got to go on at the moment is a map. So yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. So here we have um, on the street scene drawings. These three are the uh, two-bed houses that I pointed out, and then this is the building with the flats. And then it will be. Sorry, I just need to cross-reference here. Yeah, it would be these four units here would be affordable units, and then that would be an affordable bungalow as well, with market dwellings in between.
7: <coughs> OK. Um, Councillor Rouse. Um, we're going to make a decision here on design, OK, but we've only got black and white sort of presentation. Um, are there any colour schemes that go with these? They look all weather boarded and are partially rendered, maybe, is that right?
4: Okay, so I mean, naturally we're kind of constrained by what the applicant submits, so we can't necessarily have the coloured up versions if, if that's not what's been produced. Um, I mean, of course, there's the detailed drawings that are on the website that have been submitted with the application, but yes, materials. Uh, that would all be settled at the, um, using a condition, a pre-commencement condition just to clarify exactly what the materials would be on each property. But yes, it's, it's a traditional mix of materials, weatherboard, render, brick and tiled roofs.
0: Thank you, Luke. Um, just for clarification, we have an application here that has outline for 49. We now have 35 in front of us. We have 40% affordable, which is our government uh, council maximum policy, we have our 5% bungalows, so basically it's compliant with all of our main principles. Um, I have a proposer, Councillor Wells. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Chambers. I, I have a proposer and a seconder for the application. Uh, I just wanted to say something. In that case, I'll let you speak.
10: Mr Chairman, uh, I just, uh, I'm happy to, to second this, but could I reiterate what Councillor Rawls has said? Um, which we all ought to have thought about before. It's a very sensible idea to have colour coded because you can just look at the the map then and it's clearly, provided that you have a consistent colour, of course, and don't change the colour. Um, I'd also like to agree with what he said about there would would be people who would love to look out over whether they're flats or houses or wherever they are. They've got a beautiful view of the (coughs) back there And just to make one other small comment, anything's got to be better than that thing, the kilns at the front, because that is awful. Sorry, but it needed saying, and I've said it. That would
0: be a personal opinion, Councillor Chambers. Okay, um, I have a proposal and a seconder. I'm going to go to the vote for approval of this application. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those against? Three. That application is carried. <clears throat> Moving on to the next. UTT 171896, full application, Knight Roadworks. And, faxed. and I think Peter McAvoy, you're going to take us through it.
11: Uh, good afternoon everyone um, This is an application um, for seven new uh, dwellings and related development um, on the site of JF Knight Roadworks um, off Copthall Lane in Thaxted. It's to the south east of the town um, We have Copthall Road running along here, this is the existing site um, That is currently an access road um, We also have approximately about a 400 metre access road back down into the town here um, the main town centre is off the map, but it would be roughly um, there. Um, as far as the LPA is concerned, um, this would be classed as a brownfield site. Um, what they are asking f- uh, for, uh, the applicants are requesting um, seven new dwellings, um, remediation measures as well. Um, that would also include uh, visitor parking and associated landscaping. Just move on. Um, Here's the proposed site plan for the application. Um, As you can see, you would have um, landscaping mainly towards the east of the site. Um, These properties here would be detached. We do have um, semi-detached properties there. Like I said, there's seven in all. Generally speaking, um, the properties... The houses are slightly different to each one, but um, they do sort of carry A's or like common design cues, um, which I would call the Essex vernacular, as you can see. I'll just quickly scan through them just to give you an idea of what we're looking at here. A standard but rather attractive design, I think. If we just go back there is an error in the report uh, that referred to carports in the original plan here and these have now been removed um, so uh, i would ask the committee just to disregard that initial objection to it um, we have received only one objection and that was from the <coughs> vested neighborhood plan um committee and i can only echo uh, nigel brown's comments about Um, the uh, weight that we can give to the Thaxted neighbourhood plan, and their concerns were based on the emerging document. Um, One thing that they are proposing to do here is just to look up here. This is the access to Copsell Lane, and what they're proposing to do is block that off and transfer some of the land to the parish council, effectively acting as a ransom strip. Um, So basically access to the site would only be from the south. At the moment the site can also be accessed from the north along Copslow Lane but that would go. Um, You could just basically use that um, for uh, pedestrian access. I mean the road itself is still a public (coughs) highway so obviously people can still use it but they wouldn't be able to use it from the site. Um, Right round here we have fields as well. Um, The road to Copslow Lane is... um, unlit um, and quite narrow and suddenly the access lane down here which would be oh, I've got this. Oh, I've tried. would be there we go, this would also be quite narrow and unlit. The scheme itself is actually quite a nice little scheme. The issue that we have with it is that it's basically on the grounds of sustainability does it meet the uh, NPPF's Uh, Sustainability criteria. Now I don't propose to go through it again. I have looked at each one in the report uh, and unfortunately on this occasion we have had to conclude that we don't think it's in the best location in sustainable terms. So although the scheme itself is actually a nice scheme. Unfortunately, on this occasion, we would have to sort of recommend refusal. There is one other issue as well. Is that policy E2 safeguards against loss of employment sites over 0.5 of a hectare in Thackstead. The proposal would also therefore be contrary to this policy. Um, although there are some benefits to the scheme, the reuse of a site um, meeting, um, the current housing shortfall uh, in the district, uh, we think overall that does not weigh the harm. Um, to the open space Thank you uh,
0: Mr McAvoy we have two speakers on this application and I'll take uh, Mr Dodkins the agent first, followed by William Brazier from the uh, Parish Council Mr Dodkins you have three minutes
12: Thank you, Chair, (coughs) and thank you to uh, members for coming out to the site this morning on what was a very cold morning. Um, I did send a letter around just um, so that I could include some plans and documents to assist members in the determination of the application, so I don't propose to uh, waffle on uh, this afternoon, but um, just a... Thank Thank you. Um, first of all, the main issue is, is locational sustainability, and I've heard what Mr McAvoy has, has, has said about that, and we did circulate a plan that shows that the site is within walking distance of the town centre. Um, it's virtually the same distance as the children from the primary school walk to use Welly woo, woo, Wood, which is the blue area to the north. Um, and it's also... <coughs> And also um, it's, it's closer to the town centre than say the walking distance from the new developments in Samford Road uh, which were obviously Greenfield uh, developments. As you can see, yes, I mean we agree the site is not on the edge of the settlement limit um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it makes it remote from services. Officers also mentioned um, on the site visit today that um, Copthall Lane in the dark was a bit scary. Um, There are many areas of Uttlesford close to villages that do not have street lamps. um, That does not make them unsustainable or remote. The key point I think I'm trying to make is that that most people would walk primarily in the daytime to the services that they, they want to access, and those will be things like the primary school, shops post office, generally things that are open in the in the daytime, so that, that is not a, a justification for um, something being unsustainable just dealing with the loss of employment point um, it, uh, Mr McAvoy mentions that the uh, proposal is contrary to um, policy E2 of your local plan um, in terms of the initial text, that's correct, but there is a point at the end and I'll read out to you. It says the development of employment land for other uses outside key employment areas will be permitted if the employment use has been abandoned or the present use harms the character or amenities of the surrounding area and I think that's a key point. As you've heard, we've got support from the Parish Council and the Thackstead Society and we've got no objections from residents. Indeed, there has been some support and we've engaged heavily over the last year or two with the local community. The committee has in the past made clear to developers and agents that they should seek the views of their local community and that those schemes that are supported by the community should be given weight by the committee. In particular, there's been a clear and long-standing view of residents that brownfield land should be used ahead of many greenfield schemes that have been granted planning permission over the last few years, and members will know that conforms with government policy and with local plan policy. Most brownfield land, I think we have to accept in the district, comprises former or current employment land.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Mr Dodd-Kings. Um, One thing I'd just like to say at this time, when you send a letter out, please send a copy to the officers. That's fine, but uh, they weren't aware of what letter you'd sent out, just so that we're we're clear, okay? Fine, it's no problem. Okay, um, William Brazier from the Parish Council. I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I think. You have three minutes.
13: Don't start the clock yet. Right, Chair, thank you very much for allowing me to speak. Um, normally we sit here asking you to object to applications. On this occasion, we're asking you as Parish Council to support it, mainly in an attempt to preserve and protect the environment, as opposed to what you've just heard. This site at the moment, um, whilst is in the hands of Fred Knight, local person, he's worked with us to control the amount of traffic going up Cocktail Lane. Um, the new site users were... We're starting to use heavy traffic up there. He's asked them to stop, and it's worked well. The, the lane dates back to, well, the earliest maps you see of Thaxted from Doomsday upwards, that site is on there. It used to lead to quite a big estate called Coptool, um, as name suggests. We're looking to preserve that. By going with Mr. Fred Knight's offer of a ransom strip, we see no need to put any further traffic up there we would look to work with Essex County Council to try and stop the road being used. It's currently used for a lot of unlawful activity by um, various undesirables, drug-related crime and stuff like that, which the police would like us to stop. In the hands of a new owner, if Fred Knight sold this, The current conditions attached to that brownfield site would allow a large number of HGVs to operate from there, which nobody could really do too much about. They can run vehicles up that lane. There's no restriction. There's no weight restriction. We wish to preserve that lane, preserve the environment for the people who live down the bottom of the lane. And as regards the site itself, this development could sit in that site. It cannot be seen from around the area. Most people in Thackstead wouldn't even know it's there. And like a lot of new developments developments we have seen around Thatxit which are a blot on the landscape um, it's about 220 metres from the exit site down to the nearest house down Cocteau Lane it's 330 metres to the nearest street light which is situated down Cocteau Lane. I'm sure if it was needed some lights could be put in. It's not unheard of for people to walk that sort of distance into a town as they do now I've lived in fact all my life. People are walking 400, 400 metres into the shops as it is it's, it's used by a lot of people, that area. The other thing that's very attractive to the parish council is the fact that we would gain this area called Welly Boot Wood, which has been used for environmental purposes with a local school. As a parish council, we would ensure that the school gets to use that. So on this occasion, I'm so saying we are looking to preserve and protect, and with your help, we want to preserve that lane, we want to preserve the use of Welly Boot Wood. And we want to do something that stops illegal traffic up and down a road. It leads to absolutely nowhere beyond that point there. The site could be moved. It was mentioned to me this morning by a gentleman from the council here, we need sites like that. I have any number of farming friends and farming customers who would gladly accommodate that type of small industrial site on redundant farmyards, redundant farmlands, with the appropriate permission from this authority. So I think all the areas could be addressed. The main thing is, gentlemen, planning officer used the word, um, this would be harmful to that site. For this site to remain in its current form could be very harmful and very detrimental to the local environment and to local residents. It could be used for a lot of much heavier industrial use than it is now. We want to preserve and protect, and with your help, we would like to. Thank you.
0: OK. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Brazier. OK. We have no other speakers, so it's open to the committee for your comments. Anybody? Uh, Councillor Freeman.
2: Firstly, I wanted to point out that it's not this Councillor Freeman that called this in. Uh, if you look at the top of the... Uh, it says, um, referred to committee by Councillor Freeman. That's not me, it's the other Councillor Freeman. Uh, it would be good if they put our Christian names on here to, for the avoidance of confusion. Um, the one point I would say about this development, can we have please a plan of the seven houses? That's it, excellent. And, I mean, it's a lovely layout, I can see all that. Um, I would be very happy to live there myself, I was brought up in the country, not a problem. Um, But as soon as we agree to the principle of building houses on that site, then I imagine there would be more than seven built, there would be another application. I know we have to consider this application, but there will be more than seven houses built there. And if we go back to the, uh, the actual general plan, please. Yep, that's it. It is a long road. It's unlit. It's dark. Uh, people in those houses will have children and have to get to and fro. Uh, it, again, it wouldn't be an issue for me, but I can see there is a vulnerability to a settlement in that environment. And there's no obvious solution to it, especially as it has two entrances into it. It has Copped Hall Lane and it has the other end. Uh, where there is a vehicular barrier, but not for a motorbike, not for somebody on foot. So that, I'm surprised that the police haven't commented on this, because when it comes to building housing estates, porosity is a very important factor. I'm surprised they haven't brought that out. But otherwise, it looks reasonably satisfactory, except it is a long way away from anywhere. <coughs>
0: Councillor Gerard.
5: Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I, I concur with my colleague, uh, Councillor Freeman, but certainly in terms of safety for residents and their, and their families, that is, is a concern if, if that can be sort of mitigated somehow. Um, in terms of the access, that long access road, I have come across similar developments uh, like this um, previously. This one comes to mind in Suffolk, that, which um, we, we lived in, where it worked actually quite well because it was lit it was well lit and I think that um, lighting and there are clever ways of lighting using sensors and so on that can work without damaging the environment uh, in terms of light pollution but I think perhaps we might consider the possibility of there being a condition regarding the the lighting of that access road I think that would be quite sensible Um, I actually also you know think that it is probably quite a good thing to regenerate this area that is currently a being used as a, sort of a, it is a brownfield site, and certainly we we all want to see brownfield sites being better used. Certainly the NPPF does stipulate that um, sustainability, which this is a matter of, you know, usually one wouldn't want, one one wouldn't say that this is a sustainable project, project, but there are exceptions, and I think actually this is one of those exceptions, so um, I certainly will be... uh, recommending this one for acceptance. Thank you very much.
3: Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I'm always minded to listen to the local authorities, the parish council and and neighbours on sites, because they have a local knowledge we don't get. We went out there today, and it was rather informative. So I thank you for that. Um, We're told that it's unacceptable in terms of the MPPF, and, and the concept of sustainability, as we know, is a fairly... It's a fairly really, really, um, fluid thing. So we have to look at it in, in, in terms of the, the, the access to, to traffic and the, the land we've talked about. Um, but we look at a brownfield site, and I, I'm always keen on, on regenerating brownfield sites anyway. But here's a site which possibly poses a threat to that very environment through HTV use and other unwholesome usages. Um, yes, there is a question of lighting, as, as, as Councillor Gerrard has suggested, we could do something perhaps in terms of conditionalising lighting or something, but even then dark country lanes are not something anathema to, to the English countryside, and it's part of what you buy when you get here. The support from Parish Council and the facts that Societies, I think, are important guidance for us, um, and, and if, if it is in some way we're actually preserving by, by accepting, I think that's where we should be going. So I would encourage people to support this application, and I would propose that we accept this, this, this proposal with conditions. Thank you. Okay, uh, Councillor Davy
1: I second that.
0: Uh, yeah, we need to just clarify a few points before no. we go any further.
6: No, no. But I think if all I can suggest is that if members are mindful to approve this, they do need to give reasons why you're you're setting aside members' recommend. I think you can do that. I think you've done that. You've in terms of in terms of actually formally proposing to approve it against officer recommendation. You need to give reasons why you're approving it. Uh, Councillor Loughlin.
14: Thank you. Well,
9: before I say anything, I'd like to ask Mr McEvoy, the red line, will that be used by pedestrians and cars? The the road that we went down, that the coach went down this morning.
11: Which one? This one here? Which is
9: nothing more than a dirt track
11: there's no reason why they can't i mean it's described as an access road um
9: but i mean well, people will walk access yeah, road will because walk. that would be the obvious way to the settlement down here wouldn't it
11: yeah i mean
9: that's i mean i wouldn't go that way round one this because uh, and you would have to go through a farm i noticed a working farm it looked like uh, and this road is not lit and for that reason uh and also, from what the, the landscape officer said, I will not be voting for this. Uh, I don't think, in conscience, I actually could. Okay. Councillor Higgs.
0: Thank Councillor. you, Chairman.
15: Um, I'm um, very much in favour of using brownfield sites where they become available. Um, But there's no question that this particular site is rather isolated and detached from the um, main uh, part of Thaxted village. It's um, rather on its own out in the country there. But uh, so there's a question of weighing the benefit of using a brownfield site against the uh, uh, question of uh, sustainability. And I can see why the officers rightly have suggested that... Sustainability perhaps should be queried, but in weighing one factor against the other, I tend to think that uh, in this instance, um, that um, a disused uh, builder's builder's yard stuck out in the middle of the countryside is no great ornament or addition to the benefits of the countryside, and so. uh, an estate, a, a small private estate of the sort shown to us, I think is probably as good a use as you can come for, for this land. So my, my view is that, on balance, I, I would support the proposal um, to accept the uh, uh, planning application.
0: Uh, Councillor Chambers, just before I come to you, the, the, the current use on the site is an active builder's yard as such, so it's actually in full use as a builder's merchant at the moment. It's in full use. Okay. Councillor Chambers.
10: Mr Chairman, I just wanted to, through you if I may, can I ask Mr Brown, you occasionally say to members, this is a marginal case, perhaps I've used the wrong word for that, but that there is a sort of, uh, you know, it's difficult for or against. Could I ask him in his opinion, is this a marginal case, or is it you
6: know, something that we ought to refuse. This is just my professional opinion. I don't think it is marginal. I think this is unsustainable. There's been lots of talk today about distance. It's not all about distance. It's about whether it's desirable to go down that route. And I think what Councillor Lachlan said, you know, would you want to go down that, walk that route? The distance itself, if you go from one end of Thaxa to the other, I'm sure it may be even further than this distance but you're walking along the street, you're walking past other facilities as opposed to... So it's all about the desirability of people. So the whole issue is, in order to get from that into the town, you're going to jump in your car. You're not going to... You know, you're unlikely to go down and drive. And so on that, on that basis, I think it's an unsustainable development. But again, that's my opinion. And as members have said, the judgment of sustainability is, is, a, is a very fluid discussion.
7: <coughs> Councillor um, I will be voting for this uh, development to go ahead. Um, I live down a track which is 400 metres long. It's unlit, and when I come home from the pub sometimes late at night, it's quite nice to be able to see the sun. Uh, the, sorry, the moon <laughs> and the stars. Freudian slip there. Um, it's obviously that was too late. Too late in the pub, but there you go. So sort the of dawn. Um, but I really do object to too much lighting in the countryside, I have to say you know, it starts to urbanise things and if people have got, should have their own responsibility to get themselves up and down that track whether they walk with, with lights or whether they, you know, they use vehicles um, and I think it's a good use of the site one thing I wasn't sure, did I see a change of use mentioned in here or has it already been dealt with? Would, it, would, it have changed, would you have to change the use of this site? It'll automatically be a
0: change of use, obviously, from probably B2 coming
7: into residential. Fine, but, I mean, I would be perfectly happy to live in that place, and I think it would be—I think it should carry on as it is. Anybody
5: else? Yes, Councillor Jarrod. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Just If I can, just go back to trying to put some meat on the bone in terms of policy, um, in terms of the... Uh, reasons to approve this. I think NPPF um, paragraph 55 is quite clear. It says to promote sustainable development in rural areas, housing should be located where it will enhance or maintain the vitality of rural communities. It then goes on to say that local planning authorities should avoid new isolated homes in the countryside unless there are special circumstances. Um, I think as I think this is one of those circumstances that comes under that paragraph 55. Also draw attention to the to the um, government minister in the NPPF who says quite clearly that sustainable development is about change for the better, not only in our built environment. I think this would be on balance. I quite agree that um, there is a a balance argument here. I think this would be a change for the better. I think those are two quite um, points that we can rely on. Thank you. (laughs)
6: but we need conditions.
0: condition. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I'm aware of that. <laughs> okay. Um, Councillor Wells first.
8: Yeah, I simply wanted to ask. I didn't um, have the benefit of seeing the site or that somebody mentioned it was a track. Is it going to be made up? Is that part of the, of the development plan? Is it going to be made to a proper road or just left <clears throat> as a track?
0: We, we don't have any details of that at this stage, but obviously it will have to be made up to a road to the standard required for access for vehicles going both ways or however it's going to be done. And there may even be a footpath attached or something. We don't know because we don't have that detail yet. But it will right. have to Is be fit for purpose. Is it something that we
8: could condition in the future? Should we I think it's something
6: with? we can certainly talk can I, about. Can I help that. members out here? Um, this, this won't be a second bite the Cherry of trying to get it refused. If members are mindful to approve this today... Can I suggest that we bring a set of conditions back to the next meeting for members to agree? We'll pick up what Councillor Gerrard said also about any issues about lighting conditions and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, we don't want to miss any statutory consultees that have raised no objections but have the requested conditions. So... And we will put it back to committee so members will, you know, if members are mindful to approve this, we'll need to let the vote go, then we'll bring it back and say subject to that, these are the suggested conditions, and so therefore you can then finally agree them. It's it's tidier way of doing it. Councillor Fairhurst.
3: I'd be happy to, to, to accept those terms.
0: Okay. Um, I think we'll probably, uh, do we need to vote on that? You still need to vote. Yeah, to we will vote on that. Um, I, from my mind, I just want to clarify a couple of points. I'm I would just like to say that I'm a little bit concerned about the comment from the parish council, um, William Brazier, with the point that there are lots of farmers that would accept this type of use. What happens then is that type of use moves to them. In two years, we're looking at another housing application. It doesn't make it right. It's not right, Okay. In this instance, we're weighing up the fact that we've got a use that we don't like, that actually the houses might be slightly better, and that's probably the reason that we'll carry the day. It's not it's not right on several fronts, if you see what I mean. Okay, we're going to go to a vote. Councillor Chambers.
10: Sorry, Mr Chairman, could I I just make it clear that I wasn't at the site meetings this morning. I do know the sites, I do know this site. I'm glad that you have just said what you did because this has has got to be a real problem. If we're not careful, uh, it will cause a precedent... And then you will have lots of things that come forward. And because if you pass this one, you've got to pass that one. I can understand what everybody's saying, but be on your head if you pass this, because it could cause a real precedent and you could have a lot of problems. Thank you, sir. No, no,
16: no, no.
9: I'm sorry, it's every application on its merits. We don't set precedence in planning. We take everyone as it comes.
10: I just come back on Councillor Lachlan. I understand what she's saying, but nevertheless, sir, I think I have made the point. Point taken and, and your point
0: noted, okay? Okay. I have a proposer and I have a seconder for this to be approved and to come back with a set of conditions at the next meeting. Can I have a show of hands for all those in favour? Please show. Six. Against. Three. Abstentions. One. Six, three, one. Yes, right. Okay, so we know where we are with that.
6: Um, And we'll see some conditions. i just confirm do is um, they've resolved to approve the matter with the, condition, with the approval of the conditions being deferred to the next meeting and we'll be bringing that forward. So the discussion will just be the conditions.
0: Thank you very much, Peter. And we'll move on to the next application which is UTT 17 which is the police station in Saffron Walden. Uh, Luke, you ready?
4: Yep. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off East Street in Saffron Walden and contains a Grade 2 listed police station and associated offices within a pair of former police houses. The application is for planning permission to demolish the former police houses Erect four semi-detached houses in their place, I'll just point those out, that's just here, and convert the police station to three dwellings. The conversion works would involve two single-storey rear extensions, that's here and here, and a first-floor extension above the former stable block, just here. An extended boundary wall would coincide with the closure of the vehicular access off East Street, while the existing access off Common Hill over here would lead to a rear parking area under cantilevered gardens, as shown here. Here's a better view on this one of the parking spaces underneath the end of the gardens. Um, here 's the existing street scene along East Street, so here we have the police station itself, uh, and here 's the pair of police, former police houses currently offices and here 's the proposed street scene. so the top one there is um, the proposed situation for East Street, so here are the new dwellings and the bottom image there is the rear of the properties, as would be viewed from the the common to the north. They illustrate the traditional design approach, which is intended to respect the listed building, its setting, and the character and appearance of the surrounding conservation area. As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered and it is recommended that approval be granted. I would, however, recommend an amendment to Condition 2, which requires the approval of biodiversity enhancement measures prior to commencement of the development. The applicant has since submitted these details, which have been found to be acceptable by the Council's ecological consultant. Uh, The condition should therefore be amended to ensure that the proposed measures are implemented prior to occupation of any dwelling. Thank
0: you, Luke. Um, We have one speaker, the agent, Mr Ian Abrahams. Mr Abrahams, you have three minutes.
17: Good afternoon. My name is Ian Abrahams. I'm the architect for this project. Members will recall listed building consent for the proposals before you were approved at the last committee meeting. The planning application now before you relates to the alterations and change of use for the former police station to three residential properties, the demolition of the police houses and the subsequent construction of two pairs of detached houses. The Design of the new new semi-detached dwellings relates to the listed building, including the use of red brickwork, parapet gables, steeply pitched roofs with plain clay tiles and traditional chimney stacks. The new houses step back from the pavement line to show the side elevation of the listed police station in a similar manner to the original police houses. The new dwellings are of a similar height to the existing police houses and reflect the scale of the residential development opposite the site in East Street, the former Queen Elizabeth's pub. <coughs> parking is an issue in Suffolk All the proposed dwellings have sufficient on-site car parking to accord with the local planning requirements. Vehicle access to the site is via Common Hill, providing covered parking to the lower area of the site. The existing vehicle entrance from East Street will be closed and only used for pedestrian access to the new dwellings. There will be no vehicle access from East Street to the site. The police station has been empty since 2015 when it relocated to the lodge adjacent to these council offices. The proposals have been prepared in negotiation with the planning and conservation officers. Both have recommended approval for the project. Various minor amendments have been made to see the planning conservation officer's comments and the revised submitted drawings now fully accord with their requirements. Details of the proposed materials, landscaping, ecology and contamination surveys have been submitted with the application in order to agree any conditions that might be included with the planned mission. There have been no representations made on the application from surrounding neighbours or members of the public. My client held an open day at the police station in September last year in order to show the proposed alterations and invite comments from surrounding neighbours and other interested parties. Around 50 people attended, the, overall feeling, attended the, uh, the meeting and the overall feeling of the day was one of support for the conversion of this important building in the town. As I say, listed building consent was granted for the alterations to the police station last committee meeting. To complete the proposed development, the planning application before you has been recommended for approval by your planning officers. I therefore ask that you follow your officers' recommendation and grant planning consent for this exciting project.
0: Thank you. Uh, thanks, Mr. and I'm sorry about the music. Can we go and check what that is? It's a wedding. All oh, right. Uh, what can I say? Okay. Uh, okay. Open to you, committee.
2: Councillor Freeman... Yes, thank you, Chairman. Can we go to the street view elevations, please? Uh, The one before that. That's fine. That's the current street view. Uh, The house on the left, the one that's going to be demolished, was actually seldom used as a house in the obvious sense. It was built, apparently, as a refuge by the police quite a long time ago. And then it became used by the police themselves as whatever facilities. But as you can see, there's a substantial amount of space to the left and the right of the building that will be, will be demolished. Um, and it is actually on elevated land compared to the road. If you go to the, the next one, the one you showed us just now, thank you. Uh, it's been replaced by four very substantial dwellings. They're about 170 square metres apiece. Uh, and there's four of them. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, and the height is approximately the same as the Victorian building on the right, uh, but it completely blocks off any view of the common uh, from the houses on the other side uh, and from pedestrians walking to and from the town. Uh, and it effect, essentially makes it it's a canyonizing effect, I think is some people call it. It makes the buildings close in as substantial traffic along that road as the committee will have noticed the difficulty we had getting across it and it will add to the air pollution and having that level of um, build-up built environment on both sides of the road so my only point really uh, because the rest of the development is apparently to a high specification and good but that, those four houses, those four dwellings are of an excessive bulk and block out a, a lot of the um, view of the street the ventilation of the street and I would much rather see them made more modest and certainly the ability to get better air circulation around them. Is there anything we can do about that at this stage?
0: Well, we have to basically consider the application that's in front of us. We're not going to be redesigning
2: it, so um, I I, I take your point. I understand that, Chairman, but these are once-off things, and those houses will be there for the next 200 years, so it's important to get it right.
0: Councillor Gerard.
2: Yeah, I was going to raise the same point of the
5: the East Street elevation, actually. Just, you know, in in principle, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's just the it's the bulk, it's the added bulk to East Street that I am concerned about um, as a matter of, of vista.
3: Councillor Fairhurst and then Councillor Lochman. Thanks Mr. Chairman. You know, we've just discussed brownfield sites and I'm always in favour as I understand that other councillors are using brownfield sites in this odd situation where The historic building, the old police station, um, as a resident of Saffron Walden, in fact this is my ward, we we still feel sore about losing our police station. But in fact, the fact that this police station is being refurbished and sensitive to historic requirements, um, I would support that. I can't say the same for the other two little houses on the left. We've discussed the bulk of it, but I think we need to put in context exactly where this is taking place. This is very close to the very heart of Saffron Mall, and we've got to consider the context, and it's got to be in keeping with the nature and style of the environment. So it's all we're all saying, and I get the bulk issue is important. It would be important we ever recite it. It's not, no it's entitled to a view, but we are entitled, in fact, we're we mandated to look after the nature of the, of, the, of the site itself and in keeping with its, its surroundings. And for that reason, I would not support the second half. The first part, no problem, the second half, and if it comes as one application, with not separate applications, I'd be voting against it. Thank you. Councillor lockman
9: Thank you, Well, I was just going to make the point that in planning terms you're not entitled to a view, I don't think it's a site of special scientific interest or anything like that, it's a car park behind there yeah, you're looking at the, uh, yeah, it's the you've got the river sorry, excuse me you've got the river that we saw this morning with the metal things and then beyond that is the car park so you're not looking onto um, anything you know, worthy, it's not, a, it's not a particularly nice view, so perhaps, perhaps you think it is. I, I actually know not so sorry, perhaps, but in planning terms, you're not entitled to the view.
0: I'll clarify it's a car park with a common all around it. Would yes. that be all right for you, Mr. Gerard? Yeah, okay, good, <laughs> fine. Uh. Anybody else want to have-
3: Mr Chairman I'm afraid it's (laughs) it's a question of not a question of misunderstanding no one can see the car park from East Street which you look at the East Street elevation the car park park is is about 10 feet below the level you look at and your view is entirely the common but I'm not I specifically mentioned it's not about the view you are obliged to, to build and develop in keeping with the surroundings of the, si- the situation. This is in the centre of Suffolk Mall. This is not a suburb. It's not even two or three blocks from there. You are 100 feet from the centre of Suffolk from the market centre. And for that reason, we are obliged to make, build in keeping with the, the, the surroundings, and that's part of our requirement.
2: Councillor Freeman. Thank you for letting me come back, Chairman. Uh, I would remind uh, the committee that this is actually in the conservation area, and that is a further reason being mindful of the environment, it's very important to look after the conservation area in our historic towns. Okay,
0: before I have my say, no, okay. Um, I, I take your points, I know it's in the conservation area, but to me, the development is uh innovative in a lot of ways, in the way they've done the parking at the back, and it makes a nice change for that type of development to come forward. It also appears, I've seen the drawings with all of the uh, material elements picked up, that everything is in keeping with the existing facades and fenestration. So, from my point of view, I I, I know we did actually stand on the pavement and you can see the car park. I, I take what you're saying, but we can stand and see the car park as well as the greenery around it. So, we have to also sort of take that in context. So um, if nobody else has any further comments, we have a recommendation for approval. Uh, does that find a proposer for approval?
3: I propose I proposed to reject this. Sorry, I didn't pick up on that.
0: I, I, I wasn't sorry, clear I, that you did.
3: I, I, sorry, I'm saying I propose now to reject on the basis in the conservation area and it's not in keeping with the surroundings. Right, okay. Okay. Um, does that find a seconder? No, you need to ask for
6: your seconder.
3: All right.
0: Well, you, well if he proposed it, then you know, if he did.
6: you? Well, no, no. He's he's right. saying he's proposing it after you proposed it. Right. So your okay. proposal's first.
0: Uh, evidently, my proposal was before yours, Paul. So. Right. Sorry, mine was yes. Right. Yes. Elizabeth.
18: If I could assist, gentlemen, the chair asked for.
6: Therefore, okay. Paul's right
0: then. For clarification, Paul, you're completely right. Okay.
6: That's what I,
0: mean. I have a proposal for a refusal. Does that find a seconder? Oh, yeah, Councillor Freeman. Okay. Yeah. I have a proposal and a seconder for refusal. Can I have a show of hands for refusal? Please show. Four. Those against.
6: Can, you do that? can we do that again?
0: Sorry. Okay, you're against that proposal. So one, two, three, four, five, six, against. Okay. So we revert to the original. I'm willing to propose for acceptance of the application in front of us, and I'll propose this from the Chair.
15: Seconded, Chairman.
0: Councillor Hicks finds a seconder. Okay. I have a proposal for acceptance of the application as it stands. All those in favour, please show. For acceptance of the existing proposal. Approval, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. All of those against, please show. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. As mine is a casting vote, that application is approved. Thank you. We now move on to UTT 173663 listed buildings. Same application. Mr. Abrams? Oh no, after you. After Luke Mills.
4: Yeah. Thank you, Chairman. Um, so this relates only to the police station um, element of, of that wider proposal. It's for a list of building consent to carry out internal and external alterations to the police station, which would facilitate the residential conversion just described. It is similar to a recently approved application that was heard at the last committee meeting, with some minor revisions to the rear extensions, pedestrian gates and roof lights. As set out in my reports, all relevant, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered, and it is recommended that approval be granted.
0: Thank you, Luke. Uh, I have one speaker, Mr. Abrams. You're declining to speak. Okay. Um, open to the floor for your comments, Councillor Wells.
8: In view of what's just gone before, I propose the recommendation.
0: Does that find a seconder? Councillor. Does anybody else wish to speak on this matter? Councillor
3: Fairhurst. Mr. Chairman, just a question. This is for the alteration of extensions of the police station, which is the listed building. And as I said to my first on the first and previous subject, um, I'm all in favour of this if it's in keeping with the historic requirements and conservation. But I noticed there's not a comment. In fact, Historic England declines to respond, and I'm just wondering if I've missed it somewhere. I would like to think the, Cons- the, the Conservation Officer has a full report on this before we make a decision. I'm certainly not making a decision about that.
4: Um, so the Conservation Officer was consulted. Um, I'm afraid it wasn't possible to get formal comments. Um, informal comments were that the changes were all acceptable. If I just quickly cover what they are... Um, So you'll recall from the last meeting, the listed building consent that was approved. So the the changes here are to, at the front of the site, the pedestrian gates shown here, where I'm hovering the cursor, um, it was metal railings in the previous application and now it's the blue wooden gates, uh, and that's to echo the, the gates that were existing on the site underneath the stable block or next to the stable block the other change is to the rear extensions which um, would be set ever so slightly lower into the ground, it's a very minor change and then the other thing is there's a couple of extra rooflights. unfortunately not visible on the street scene drawing but they are on the proposed elevation drawing submitted with the application, it's for some extra roof on the side of, of that building there, so they're, they're the only changes to what was recently approved
3: Councillor Fairhurst Mr. Chairman, I'm not, that's not going to work for me, I'm afraid. Um, I appreciate the officer's support on this. We're a committee that takes things on formal decisions here. We're making a decision based on something on paper. I recognise what's said. We have a huge respect for our conservation officer and for the process involved. This is an historic building. I will not be participating in this discussion. Vote otherwise unless we have a formal communication from the conservation officer.
0: I actually find I agree with you. I I don't know how much time we've had to prepare this, but I don't see any reason why we haven't got a comment. So um, I think we'll look to defer this
6: part of it. I think what you need to... uh, First of all, it is disappointing that we have not had a conservation officer's comments on this application. That is an issue. But what members need to recall, what Luke has just gone through is what the difference between what was approved last month and what's been in front of us now. That is the fundamental issue. The Conservation Officer has been heavily involved in this application. She's been heavily involved at the pre-application stage. Very fundamentally involved in this. Unfortunately, we have not got formal comments, and that is disappointing. But she has been fundamentally being heavily involved in this application throughout and to be honest with you it shines through in terms of the quality of the scheme that's been put in front of us today. It's one of the most exemplary schemes I've ever seen in Conservation Officer. It is disappointing that we haven't got the Conservation Officer's comments. I don't think it is necessary to defer it. Members just need to, to pan back to what they approved last month and Luke's comments about what the differences between the two are.
0: Uh, Councillor Chambers then, Councillor Fairhurst.
10: Mr Chairman I do agree it does seem to me what do we have a conservation officer for if we can't get any comments that just makes a mockery of the whole thing I think we should defer it it's a matter of principle and just make it quite clear to the officer that he or she are there to make a comment and it should have been there and you quite rightly said they have had plenty of
0: time to do it Councillor Fairhurst I think you're going to say the same thing
3: yes Mr Chairman I think I would support that it is a matter of principle um, not, I, I really think it's important not to point fingers and stress. I'm not questioning a question of fault at all but our decisions here are based on a formal process and this is a gap in the formal process and I'm not, I'm not in a position to make a decision because the formal process hasn't been met
2: Councillor Freeman yes thank you Chairman I'm of a similar view because it's all very well for an officer to say well it's all fine I've had a chat that's good Um, But this is a quasi-legal process, and although our conversations are audio-recorded and can therefore be transcribed, the thing that people will look at is actually the written transcript in the first instance. Uh, And I I have the greatest respect for our conservation officers. They do an excellent job, and uh, we wouldn't be without them. The place would be much less good. But I think we need to be picky about the audit trail of air decisions. And early on today, we had a thing uh, where where one of our councillors, one of this committee, questioned the colour of a scheme. Obviously, that's not a problem with this one. It's rather beautifully coloured. And the answer came back, well, that's up to what the developer sends us. Actually, no, it isn't. Um, The developer will send us what this committee needs to make a, a valid decision and if they don't send us the right stuff then we have to say well actually you've got to go back and get it right i'm sorry but this decision is the key and we need to get it right so i'm totally with my colleagues on this we need to have an order okay okay i'm councillor Gerard first yeah, I'd like to propose that we do
5: defer this. And just on a personal point, just with um, Mr Brown, you did mention that uh, members should be able to decide based upon the last, the last meeting last month. Well, I'm substituting for Councillor Lodge, who's not, who's not here today. I wasn't at the meeting last time, so I'm not able to take that into consideration. But okay. if I could have this deferred, please.
0: Yep, I have a proposer. Does that find a second? Councillor Fairhurst. All those in favour of deferral on the listed buildings element of this application, please show... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight I have eight those against, one deferral, Re- uh, refer- sorry <laughs> abstention. abstention see what you 've done, then, one abstention, okay, that item is deferred and will be back before us next month, Councillor Chambers, you wish to speak bless you,
10: Mr. Chairman, can I make it quite clear? I am normally I think our officers are extremely good. I would not want it to be put on record that I was criticising the officers, but if we're to keep the standards as high as we have them, it has to be made quite clear to officers that they have certain duties to do, and one of those is to make comments on things like this which are very important. So it is a matter of
0: principle. Okay. Thank you. I I think we've noted the point. Um, Everybody okay? Okay. Okay. Mr Theobald will take us through the NEP application, which is uh, UTT oh,
6: 30... Now, Hang on, you've got to explain why, why we haven't mentioned that that one's gone yet. Uh, okay. <laughs> do you want me to do it? I've lost my eye. Sorry. 17 we pulled. No, yeah, right, but seven, we haven't officially three. said that yet. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay. Sorry, on um, agenda item 7, regarding to the change of use... Of the application at 22 Cambridge Road. We, I think members are aware of this, but we haven't formally done this in this forum. Um, the, the, application, the applicant has requested the application be deferred from this particular meeting. Um, we have requested further information from the applicant. Um, it involves transport studies on the site which, which he has provided for which we are which we 've just received, so we 're not going to criticise highway authority. they need to respond so i 'm suggesting that we adhere to their view and then that it is deferred to the next meeting. so that needs to be formally agreed by members so we can bring that forward next month. So, so,
19: uh, Mr Chairman
0: Okay, I have a proposal and a seconder for a deferral. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Okay, moving on to the next item. Tandons. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Application UTT 1729034 for tandons, and Mr. Theobald will take us through it. Thank you. Thank you.
20: This application relates to the use of land for one additional gypsy traveller pitch at this authorised private site. I don't wish to go into detail other than to just go through the drawings. This is showing the proposed site plan and plot 1A, which is a subdivision of the original plot 1, pitch 1 is the site. Um, just also uh, just
0: hold on a second, Clive
3: Point of order, Mr Chairman May I ask in future, we refer to them as travellers Gypsies, not regarded as a good word in any world in Europe travellers Can we please get our nomenclature right in future I'm aware of the fact that people feel agreed by the figure, and I'd ask please this committee to start referring to them as travellers or, or the or something, the correct forms Okay. Thank you. Mr Theobald, we're going to refer as, as travellers
0: rather than gypsies yeah. Yep, I'm um, happy okay. with that,
20: of course mm-hmm. So as I was saying, the original plot which was Tandon's is plot one and this is the area for the additional uh, travellers pitch and we have four authorised additional pitches down here uh, to either side of the um, apron road and uh, the scheme obviously is to fill in this remainder part here. This is a paddock area, this is to be retained as paddock area for the recreational enjoyment of the existing occupiers of the site. Just before uh, this meeting it was requested by the chairman that there be a comparison site layout drawing showing the existing situation And this drawing is taken from the previous application for day rooms to serve the four existing travellers' pitches here, one, two, three, four. And as you can see from this previous layout, for comparison purposes only, the additional pitch, uh, pitch 1A, would go in there. Just to show very briefly the context, the access road in from uh, Canfield Road. Uh, On the left here is the existing original uh, chalet home. This is one of the four down the bottom which I showed you on the previous plan. This here would be the infill for um, additional pitch 1A and in front you can see the recreational area which has been uh, seeded uh, last year with the access drive coming in this is looking straight down from the top, recreational area here and you've got the two additional uh, pictures there for the four and then looking across final photo you've got again the original uh, Tandon's uh, chalet home here and uh, the first of the four there and the additional uh, travellers pitch would be in here. So the report concludes, Chairman, that the principle of an additional traveller pitch at this authorised private traveller site within the countryside is considered acceptable, whereby the proposed development would not lead to overdevelopment of the site and would not, as a consequence, result in significant rural harm the development would not have a significant detrimental impact on residential amenity and the development would not have a detrimental impact on highway safety. The report recommends, therefore, that the application proposal be approved subject to the standard occupancy condition for such sites and uh, that is the report.
0: Uh, Thank you, Mr Theobald. We have several speakers on this item, so we'll take Mr Keith Artis... Councillor Artis, you have five minutes.
21: Thank you very much, Chairman. Now, you know that uh, I don't speak at planning meetings unless there is something that needs supporting or indeed opposing, regardless of uh, the officer's recommendations. In this case, I speak yet again about this site. You will probably remember that I was indeed admonished for saying that this development had taken officers for a ride the last time it came before you. So thank you for listening and hopefully taking seriously consideration to what I, the parish council and residents have to say. The original application for this site was for four houses and this was turned down because of traffic and visibility considerations, access and the suitability of the site being out of keeping and against policy S7 development in the countryside. Then, under the guise of a travel application, permission was given for a single long-stay caravan for the owner's lifetime, which was subsequently made in perpetuity upon appeal. This, despite all the reasons for refusal for development of the site given by UDC in the first application. Then, surprise, surprise, two additional pitches were applied for, supposedly for the family... Of the applicant, despite them living in a house in a nearby village, this was proved with the condition that the plots should be only used for family use. Then again, despite the reasons stated against development at all uh, in the first instance by UDC on the first application, needless to say, no member of the family, uh, the applicant's family, has ever lived there. Then we get an application for yet two more pitches. I can't remember what the excuse was given for needing these, but UDC was indeed taken in. So planning permission was given for these, but just as the residents were wiping away the tears from this heart-rendering family situation, the plots were sold to a property developer with the intention of selling them on. Then we got the associated day-room applications, which of course was passed despite officers and this committee being told you were just being given the run-around. Now we have this application, which is only for one more pitch, but of course in due course no doubt there will be an associated day rooms application. Not only that, the original uh, plot has been built in the wrong place which enforcement has done nothing about (coughs) and will, will we be surprised if you get another plot in the space left? Also, where the landscaping is currently required as a condition, I wonder what the odds are of two more pitches being applied for. All this despite the council declaring the site was originally unsuitable for development. When will it stop? When will the council adhere to its own conditions, limitations and restrictions? Every permission given conditions that the nature of the development should be to avoid proliferation in the development in the countryside and protect the amenity of the countryside and neighbouring residents. But this has been ignored. It just seems that the goalposts are moved every time by the developer and the planners just roll over for an easy life, ignoring every reason and condition that they've applied in the past. With day rooms, this could mean up to 18 families could live here if Uttlesford Enforcement Department doesn't enforce the uh, conditions. None of the planting and external works have been done. The sewage is incapable of catering for this density. And as we've heard from previous applications today, the concern about safety and this development is up to 400 yards down a narrow lane without any lighting, it's unsustainable for possibly up to 20 more vehicles. And the condition that pitches should only be used by by travellers has never been tested. I am advised and can understand why the local community has lost all faith in the planners, especially when they are told only two months ago that this application would not not pass any test of need and most likely be recommended for refusal. This is not a traveller issue. This is simply a matter of UDC yet again being taken for a ride by an incrementalist property developer. I strongly urge this committee stop this madness, stop UDC being seen as a soft touch, stop unnecessary unwarranted and unwanted proliferation of development in this area of the countryside down this narrow lane. Nothing has changed in the last six years and if you want reasons to refuse this application, simply look at the reasons officers have given but ignored in the past. It is completely unsuitable, not not in keeping, inaccessible overdevelopment I could go on it's simply not sustainable this community has every right to demand officers adhere to their own reasoning and get some nous and backbone I strongly suggest as you can right, quite rightly do put a stop to the proliferation of uncontrolled development on this site. Thank
0: you uh, Thank you Councillor Artis. Um, I have uh, Mr Kellerman
22: Who's an objector?
0: Mr. Kellerman. You have uh, three
22: yes, minutes. Um, I'm the re- representing the residents and I object to this application. Um, I think uh, the Councillor Artis has said most of what I want to say. Three minutes to recap on the last nine years of planning inconsistencies. I, I, you know, I don't know where we go. I've been here so many times before. I won't waste too much of your time, save for stating the obvious. Um, We have repeatedly said this was not a traveller and gypsy issue. I notice the term gypsy is used in all the policy um, documents. Um, It's about planning and ignoring and abusing the planning rules that that have happened time and time again. There are so many inconsistencies here that when you, as a planning uh, committee, uh, refuse something, you then... on perfectly good grounds, you then simply uh, ignore those when it came up for travelers. And it would appear that travelers don't have cars, don't have children, don't go shopping, don't require education. And all these unsustainable elements of uh, this particular development have been ignored. Um, In 2010, the four houses that were uh, outlined planning permission that were sought, were turned down. Every single one of those objections was ignored when it came to this new development. You've now got on this site the potential if the day rooms are used for overnight stay which of course they're not allowed to but you won't be checking on that because you don't actually have the ability to do that. Uh, The potential you have for uh, 12 independent dwellings on this site 12 yes. You've got six mobile homes and six potential for six day rooms. That counts to 12, Mr. Brown. If you then have the touring caravans occupied, as they may be, you have the potential for 18 families living in that one site up a road which is unsuitable, as I'm sure uh, Councillor Loughlin will note. A long road with no... uh, Protection from vehicles. You have vehicles and pedestrians using the same road. It's unilluminated. And as you pointed out in, the, in, the earlier, um, in an earlier application. So I find it very disturbing the way that this council is able, a little bit like quoting from the Bible, to use the bits you want to use when it's convenient to pass something. And I, I, I think you do yourselves a great injustice by not applying your own rules and regulations. So I finally had an admission from Mr. Theobald that this is a box-ticking procedure um, in a personal communication, and I think you have defiled the countryside on the altar of political expedience here, Um, and you have the dread of the appeal. But I think you, as a committee, must protect the planning officers who are scared to actually make denial of this sort of application Um, the reasons for reason are ample and they should be used so that you can start to recover some of the lost respect that you had from the community. Thank you very much Mr. Chairman Uh, Thank you Mr. Kellerman Um,
0: Jenny Jewell from the Parish Council Jenny you also have three minutes
14: Thank you Good afternoon. Ten years ago, permission was granted for one long-stay pitch on a green field belonging to Essex County Council, personal to Mr Boswell on health grounds. Having proved that the settled community would not be given permission to build permanent housing here, Mr Boswell was sold the land by Essex County Council. The applicant obtained planning in perpetuity on appeal in 2012. A few months later, in 2013, he applied for and was given a further two pitches, claiming they were needed for his daughter and grandchildren in order to keep his family unit close. In the officer's report, it made clear that this would help towards the shortfall in numbers of traveller pitches required for Uttlesford. Over 20 objections were received. The family members, however, never moved in. Two years later, just two years ago, Mr Boswell came to the parish council meeting and told us that he had been asked to apply for further two pitches, that he was doing us a favour. The parish council and 13 others objected he was given that permission. As it stands today, Mr Boswell has now sold off four of the five pitches he was given to a developer. Having reoriented his own home some 20 metres north of where it was originally shown on his application, he has an area to use for further pitch. This application is once again for his daughter and grandchildren, the same daughter as the 2012 application who is still living in a house. He states in this application that it is just in case they might want to take up travelling in the future. In the planning policy for traveller sites, the government states that the overarching aim is to ensure fairness and equality for travellers and to the settled community. By hook and by crook, over the course of six applications, Mr. Bozzle has gained five permanent, tra- uh, permanent dwellings on a small green field in the countryside. The policy also says that when assessing suitability in rural areas, the planning authority should ensure the scale does not dominate the nearest settled community. This site already has five pitches on two acres, four of which now include separate day rooms, creating an unprecedented density of housing this side of the Flitch Way. All other dwellings in Camford Drive are spread out and have one family roughly two acres apart. For the purposes of planning, gypsies and travellers are described as persons of a nomadic habitat of life who, on grounds only of their own or family's education or health needs, or old age, have ceased to travel temporarily. This does not apply to Mr. bozzle the applicant. He is not a traveller in planning terms. He hasn't travelled for many years, and his family haven't even started yet. Back in 2010, the inspector's opinion was that one mobile home and touring caravan would not make much impact on this lane. But what sits in front of you today is a very different beast, Time and again, the planning officer has disregarded conditions, recommendations and reasons set out in each decision in order to make bet- oh, — not sorry, in order to better numbers on their balance sheets regarding need and status. It is time to stop. It is detrimental to the countryside. it is not fair to the settled community, and it certainly does not help real traveler issues. Thank you.:
0: Thank you, Ms. Jill. I have two other speakers. Uh, Mr. Ronald Perrin, the agent. How many minutes? Well, he has nine minutes. Nine minutes between them. Okay. (laughs) So, Mr. Perrin, you and uh, Mr. Buzz will have nine minutes between you.
19: Nine.
0: Yes, I'm sure you won't be that long.
19: I I promise not to be that long. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, The application is recommended for permission, so I will limit my comments accordingly. In doing so, I'm fully aware of this past local opposition to this site and the previous uh, speakers have spoken about the historical context. But the important fact is that this site has permanent planning permission uh, for its use as a gypsy caravan site. The principle of its use, the location, um, are just not at issue. Neither is the identity of a future occupier as the site is not limited by personal conditions. The main issue arising is whether the proposed additional pitch can be accommodated on the site without causing unacceptable harm to the usual planning considerations, space standards, impact on residential amenity, highways and the character of the area and its surroundings. As for the space standards, the proposed subdivision meets all the necessary requirements of a gypsy pitch for both the proposed and the retained pitch. Your case officer's report confirms this. And concludes the proposal would not result in overdevelopment or over intensification of use in terms of design or layout. There's no harm arising from this consideration. Turning to residential amenity, the proposed pitch would be no closer to the nearest dwellings than the existing mobile home Tandans and other pitches on the site. As such, it will not intrude visually on the amenities of residents and I do not believe that the likely levels of noise and disturbance arising from six pitches would be materially different to that emanating from five. And again, a similar view is expressed in your officer's report. So I see no harm arising from that consideration. Moving on to highways, the likely impact has been assessed by county highways, who have concluded the proposal would not have a material effect on highway safety or the efficiency of the local highway network. So there's no evidence of harm arising from that consideration. As to the character of the area and its surroundings, the pitch is now part of the prevailing character. The proposed pitch is contained entirely within the boundaries of the existing site and will be of a similar size as the existing and approved pitches. Again, the case officer's report makes a similar assessment. It follows there will be no discernible change to the character of the site itself or of the surroundings, there is no, har- no evidence of harm arising from that consideration. In fact, in summary, there is no evidence of any material harm arising from any of the usual planning considerations. There is no evidence the proposal would be contrary to any current planning policies, and there is nothing to support the parish council's objection of overdevelopment. Uh, little weight should be afforded to research and consultation uh, consultation document that they refer to in support of their objection, such documents are not intended to be used forensically to limit the capacity of your site when a perfectly supportable proposal actually come forward. And this is such a proposal. I agree with your officer's report and the recommendation of conditional permission. Thank you very much. Unless you you particularly wish to hear from... um, um, Mr Boswell, I don't think he intends to speak, but if you wish him um, to say something... Well, I have can. put him
0: on the list. If he wishes to speak, then we're happy to do so, but if not, I'm fine.
19: No. OK. We'll have a there. Uh,
0: in, in that case, thank you, Mr... Thank you
6: very
0: much. Mr Perrin. Sorry. Uh, yes, uh, Mr Brown wants to clarify a few points raised by various people, so... <laughs>
6: Um, I'm going to pick up a, a number of issues. Can, Clive, can you put in the, the very, the first layout plan that, that one, that's the one. I really, I've come in halfway through on this application, but I really wished that was what we had at the very beginning. And I can understand from the resident's viewpoint that this has happened through attrition, through an originally one coming in and then, then we get another two round the back. But had we had an application in the very outset for six pitches on this particular site, then you would have got an officer recommendation. I th- would have thought that we would have probably had local opposition to that particular issue, but we would have had exactly known what we were considering. But I am very disappointed that we have got to this position by stealth. But we now have an application for a sixth pitch on something that has been identified as an opportunity for five pitches. And so it's an additional pitch. But even that particular identification has come through. I do kick back slightly in terms of comments about lack of enforcement on this particular application. We've had no complaints that there's no no non-travellers living on this site and we've had no complaints, about we've had no formal objections. About non-travellers living on this particular site. If we did, we would investigate it. It is a difficult thing to identify, but the whole government legislation around gov- uh, travellers and gypsies on particular sites is that we need to, you know, they, it has to be for them. And there is a way of checking that, and that needs to be identified, and that is enforceable. We are also to future, future issues about day rooms. Day rooms, are, as I mentioned when this committee went, went committee previously, is an accepted application. On travellers' pitches is what you expect on a travellers' pitches. You have a mobile home, you have a a, a touring caravan, and you have a day room. Not all of them, but the majority of them do have day rooms. It is an accepted way forward. I've never had an example where a day room has been accused to someone living there in open living accommodation. Two of those day rooms have now been put on site since the previous approval. If we have allegations that they're not being used as day rooms or they've been used for separate accommodation, they would be investigated, as I said before. So I don't think we should be accused of not enforcing things that we haven't found out that there's any breaches about those particular points at the beginning. When I first saw that we had a six pitch submitted on this particular application by the subdivision of, the, of, the, of the Mr. Boswell's existing pitch at the front, I was slightly exasperated, went a oh, whole no and I, and, I, and I probably was not very keen that the application was coming forward because I was concerned about the potential overdevelopment of the individual plot that the plot could not be, could not be properly identified and properly operate by its size in terms of pitch size, so we couldn 't have a mobile home and a day room and a touring caravan. Um, a lot of work has happened between the case officer and the agent to show that it can accommodate easily. You look at that particular... The, you know, if you if, if, if climb point to the point to the plot again, that particular plot is the same size as the other plots on the site, which are comfortably big enough for pitches. So, therefore, the issue over potential overdevelopment of the site has been addressed, in my opinion. I do agree with some of the speakers... I do agree with what Councillor Art has said, that at the moment we have had additional pitches fronted by the applicant because he's wanted it for his family. And yeah, every single one has been put forward as for his family and none of them have. I don't think we should set that. And that is the same story that's been put forward in terms of this particular application. And I'm setting that aside as well. There is a need for gypsy accommodation, travellers' accommodation within this district and I'm not accepting the fact that this is specifically for a family unit and and, and I do agree that 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 has been put forward quite a lot in terms of it. The issue here is whether a six pitch would result in overdevelopment of the site. It wouldn't in terms of officers' view. It can accommodate a day room if one is required and it will also, whether or not a six plot as opposed to five plots, shows a saturation of travellers in this particular site, it doesn't do that either. It is as simple as that in terms of weighing it up. And, and hopefully that is addressed. But I wished this is what we had at the very beginning, because it would have been a much more open approach from the applicant in terms of the approach forward. But we've ended up in the right place through stealth, I should add.
0: Uh, we have no other speakers. I'm going to take Councillor Loughlin first and then Councillor Riles.
9: Thank you. Well, uh, some of what uh, Mr. Brown said, um, I was going to say. Um, But if you look on page 71 of the officer's report, it says Tandon's as a privately run gypsy and traveller caravan site was recognised in the gypsy and traveller issues and options consultation document as having plot potential for additional pitches at the site, and I won't go on. Um, I do have some concerns about... Traveller sites being for families If I sell my house And I say I'm selling it to my son And then I sell it to somebody else Why should that be any different Why do travellers Have to sell their caravans Or put caravans on And they have to belong to their family This is a traveller site It doesn't say travellers and their relations site It's a traveller site So let, Can we get that straight first of all please And um, whatever happened Fair enough Um, but also on page 70 it says councils taking decisions on traveller sites should also have regard to the policies set out in the MPPF so far as is relevant in this respect the government's overarching aim is to ensure fair and equal treatment for travellers in a way that facilitates the traditional and nomadic way of life of gypsies and travellers now some time ago a man or two men from the ministry, came to talk to us about travellers and gypsies, and they put that in capital letters because that is an ethnic group. That's what it's called, and I think it's denigrating to say to call them anything else other than that. They don't have to travel. That is just a label that is put. And you know, I I, I haven't found any planning reasons so far to refuse this, and that is I'm on the planning committee, and that's what I have to go by, not because somebody might sell it to their great aunt Nellie I don't care about that, this is a planning issue, and that is what I will decide this on, and it has been decided that there is enough room on this site and I think that is what we should be thinking, and I will be proposing this application, approval of this application
7: Councillor Riles Clive, sorry, could we have a look at that one where it shows? I'm looking at the first um, plan here. On that top left, the amenity space, if you like, the paddock, they've got trees all the way around it. What are the circles then?
20: They they need to be planted. And um, this is something which I've um, approached the applicant, Mr. Boswell, for. Um, So far this winter, we do have a a laurel hedge going all the way down this spine road here. So, Um, as as part of the process of trying to deal with this site in terms of any previous conditions um, before the end of this planting season obviously at the end of March I shall be approaching Mr Boswell to ensure that all of those trees are planted to um, enhance that amenity area
7: It's just interesting that when we looked at the photographs it looked pretty um, open and I think if those trees had actually been planted it might have, I guess that area might have made that a little bit more Screened or more in countries in in it looks like a football pitch to me as opposed to a paddock, for example um, can I ask a question about the day room what does a day room consist of please Is it a bedroom, two bedrooms, four rooms a toilet what's in it involved
6: um, the 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 idea of a day room is literally what it says on it it's everything apart from sleeping to be frank it can be the it's the it can be a bathroom it can be Uh, Washing facilities. It can be literally a day somewhere to sit during the day. It is not sleeping accommodation, and that is the whole idea of the way that travellers work: is they do not sleep where they carry out their their, their functions, if you like. So therefore, that is the the, so it is not sleeping accommodation.
7: So when they're telling their accommodation, you just I think you contradict yourself. You said that they don't don't do their ablutions in the same place as they sleep. Sleep in the day rooms. Right, okay. But to all intents and purposes, it's a structure which has rooms and it has uh, washing facilities. Yes. Just like like a bungalow or something. Yes. Okay. Um, Can I just clarify impact on existing residential occupants? Are those the ones across the road we're talking about at the Canfield Lane on the the plan? Are we talking about the, the top left or north?
20: Well, I'm referring to both... To the left and to the right, so as you approach... Are these, OK. Yeah, and also opposite.
7: OK, and I, my final point, I suppose, really, um, the, the reason for approval of this development is acceptable is to meet the district's um, current shortfall in provision for gypsy and traveller sites. Um, just because we haven't been able to find sites suitable throughout the year, or the last few couple of years, does that automatically mean that this site now... Has some additional credence, or this application has additional credence. Well,
6: we have found suitable sites. Five of them, of which are here, and that's you know that, that is you know in terms of we well, this is has got permission for five accepted travellers' pitches. we have we got there? We've now got five travellers' pitches, and, and, I, and I know that four of those have been provided. Four of those have been provided since the need has been identified and I know there is a change of what that actual need is and I think it's been slightly reju- it has been substantially reduced but there's still a need for travellers' pitches and so therefore the first starting point is when you've got an existing uh, travellers um, set of pitches of five whether or not it's appropriate to have a sixth one there and that's what we're actually looking at um, and so so this is one of those this would be a sixth of an additional pitch of ones that we've already identified as a suitable site
7: not sure I agree with the logic there, I suppose, I'm afraid. Um, as you just said, if you couldn't find a uh, traveller site in Elsinem or Saffron-Walden or somewhere else, does that mean to say that this automatically has more credence because it is uh, surrounded by other traveller sites? That's, that, that's my, my point. If, councils, if we've been unable to find such sites, why does this automatically add weight to this application? It's, it's, it's like arguing, I suppose, against five-year land supply, um, housing supply and da for, for building more, more houses, but I, I'm not, it's, not it's sure a similar, I understand. It's it.
6: actually it's a similar argument to the five-year land supply issue, that if, if houses haven't been provided and we haven't got five-year land supply, we need to make sure that they, we approve houses in appropriate locations. So the, the judgment still gets the same. If, if we have, have an issue about having not identified a, a pro, enough travellers' pitches in the district... We shouldn't just be approving any other, you know, anywhere. We still need to make sure that wherever we approve them is an appropriate site. So you are correct in saying that.
1: Thank you,
5: Mr Chairman. Um, I'm finding it difficult to get my head around this um, in terms of weighing up whether or not this should or not be approved. I don't know about other members on the committee, but I... I've read the history, I've heard the comments, um, there are comments for and against, there's been mention of various inconsistencies in the past, there seems to be quite a, a complicated previous case history here, but to make a decision on this personally, I think that I would like to see the site, I'd like to see what we're dealing with, whether it's appropriate or not, I think it's a matter of us on the members of the committee to actually make that Decision ourselves, and I, I can't make that up. I can't decide that without seeing it. I think if we quite often you do get a, a misconception, and then when you see something, it, things become very clear. Personally, I would propose that we defer this until we can actually see it and then make a proper decision on it.
6: Just before that goes to the vote, I've just, I am mindful that members have visited the site. I accept that you haven't, and, uh, but uh, because this has been a because this has been going on for a number of years, it's gone through in three committees, you may not have all visited the sites, but I'm I'm sure that when we visited it, when we originally did the original two pitches, the pitches which we just allowed the day rooms on, when they were approved, we definitely visited the site then, didn't we? And that was maybe a couple of years back.
5: Yeah, thanks. I mean, it just seems to me that and I don't know if this is true or not, obviously I I, I ask the officers to to clarify, but there seems to have been various things that have gone on in the past. Whether or not we have, as a council, have been manipulated or not, I don't know. Um, I ask the officers to maybe shed some light on that. It would seem strange, though, to me, that if, if, um, and I'm very much in favour of travellers, I have no problem with the concept of travellers at all, but if you need additional accommodation and space for your family, why would you sell something off knowing that you needed that space? There are are things that just don't sit well with me. I find it very hard to actually get to grips with this, And, and I appreciate other members may have seen and been more aware, but if you could clarify some of the... There have been inconsistencies of planning mentioned here today, which I don't understand if there have been inconsistencies in terms of our planning policy.
20: I, if I could just expand on the the, the Gypsy and Traveller Issues and Options Consultation Document, because I think that's that's quite important to put the whole thing into context. Because if we're talking about the evolution of this this travellers' site from just one Gypsy pitch for the benefit of Mr Boswell and his his wife, and then we look at how that consultation document assessed this site in terms of potential for further pitches because that's where obviously uh, the report which I've written um, takes reference from as well as the NPPF. So if I could just read out just some summary paragraphs it it might help and this is on the sites with potential where Tandon's was deemed to be a a site for future uh, pitches. On the landscape impacts it says that The location is within a small scale landscape characterised by small hedgerow, bounded fields, scattered properties and narrow linear or larger gardens within the Broxted farmland plateau etc. The site appears very well contained by robust hedgerows, tree belts and woodlands in the area. The boundary with the property to the west appears to be more open. The site appears to be suitable to accommodate some further pictures although these should be carefully located to minimise their visibility from the lane and any overlooking property, which obviously my uh, report addresses, and avoid a significant intensification of development, which would be out of character with the loose nature of the existing settlement pattern, which is obviously where we are today with discussing whether or not this amounts to intensification or overdevelopment. The generous size of the site provides scope for appropriate mitigation planting, which is something that we need to... Obviously, go back to the applicant about. And then it says, achievability, there appears to be no reasons why the site could not be intensified by the existing occupants. The land is available, policy and phys- physical constraints are capable of being overcome, and mitigation measures are feasible, subject to the ability of the owner to finance the development. The development appears to be viable, and it concludes by saying that there is an existing gypsy and traveller site here, which needs to be safeguarded in the local plan. The site is available and suitable for further pictures subject to adequate landscape mitigation measures and historic environmental investigations. So that sort of describes what that said about that.
5: So what you're saying is that there were conditions attached to the last uh, planning application
20: given that have not been met, is that what you're saying? No, Um, what, what, what that is saying is that there would be suitability for further uh, pitches at this site subject to mitigation and that would be appropriate planting. So given the fact there has been some planting measures shown for the previous pitches on this site and only some of that has been implemented to date, some have, we need therefore to rectify that to ensure that, as you mentioned at the front of the site, uh, this amenity area, for example, is is treed and therefore softens the landscape within the site.
0: Can we, no. Can we please? Can we not speak, please, or we'll have to remove you? I I, I understand what you're saying. Please, thank you. Right. Cap. Councillor Fairhurst.
3: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, uh, for one, don't like being misled. I worry, as Councillor Freeman has coined the phrase, about stealth planning. And uh, I understand that uh, some things haven't been done that are required to be done. We're discussing here, it's it's really irrelevant with the people who the applicant is. She should be relevant to the purpose or motivation behind the process. But we're looking at, it seems, a question of density and, of course, obviously sustainability in normal terms. I'd like to ask the officer just one question before I proceed. And the question is simply this. Have the conditions there were precedent or preconditions set for previous applications all been complied with at this stage, or are we looking at a new application before these preconditions have been met? Simple question.
20: I would be honest to say that the planting conditions, which are the main uh, conditions to be complied with here, because you can move a mobile home within its site pitch. It's not fixed uh, in terms of what would be, for example, bricks and mortar on, on a site. Uh, there is ability for flexibility to move about within the site. So, sorry. sorry, excuse me.
3: Yeah, this is an easy that.
20: question. It's go. an
6: easy question. Yeah, just a clear answer.
20: Right.
6: Short answer is no. It is not wholesale breaches of conditions in terms of occupations. It is regarding the landscaping hasn't been carried out. Now, that is not, that is it. That is the only thing on this particular site. There's been accusations that they've juggled things around on the site. They can do that. A pitch is approved, and that does not show... It may have indicated a mobile home, and it does on this one. It does show a mobile home in a particular location on this pitch. That mobile home, by its definition, can be moved. It is. That is the whole issue. and A lot of the accusations about lack of enforcement have been around people juggling around things on their pitches. People can juggle around things on their pitches. That is not a breach of planning control. And I'm a little bit concerned that you're hearing that we're misleading you and you're accepting that we're misleading you. We are not misleading you. Secondly, there is one breach in terms of the land. So the answer to your question is... The planting hasn't been completely carried out, completely carried out.
3: Mr Chairman, my question is simple, and it goes to the nub of this issue. We are required to be fair and equitable to all planning applications. And if we're going to take ourselves seriously, and if we're going to expect other people to take us seriously, we reimpose conditions on applications, those conditions are part of that approval. And I think we've been remiss of us. I actually am inclined to support this application. But I would not support an application when there's known to be enforceable conditions that have not been fully met. So I'm going to say we have a choice here. We either defer this process until those have been met, or we satisfy ourselves they can be met, or I'm afraid I would propose that to reject this. Thank you. Can
6: I just say, I'm going to go all the way back to Councillor Gerard's proposal here. Um, that we members have visited the site. I think they may have visited the site on a number of occasions. But we are looking at a different issue here. We are looking at an overdevelopment issue, the addition of additional plot. You have raised valid comments about the fact that we have had approvals on this particular site, where mitigation may or may not have been carried out completely. Um, so maybe we go back to Councillor Gerald's comment. As part of the deferral, the members revisit the site. That needs to be, I mean, that, you know, and I, and I think that okay. was... Okay. okay. Hang on. I know
0: that... Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Councillor Freeman, I'll take your comment before I try and summarise where we are with this.
2: Well, good luck with the summing up. Uh, very simple question. In terms of the advisory number of traveller sites in Uttersford, simple question, Do we have sufficient? Are we under in number? Are we over in number? That's one question. And secondly, can you show us a photograph, please? You've got some on the computer there. Of the actual site itself. Just pick a photograph. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and there's another one as well. which That's it. I I did actually visit this site in an earlier application. And those day rooms have been built since. But looking at that road, it's an excellent road. And the whole thing is very well kept. Uh, and actually you went to a caravan site, for example, and rented a spot for a week, that would be an excellent caravan site. So I just bring that to members' attentions. But the question is, my question is, how are we fixed when it comes to meeting the national guidelines on how many of these sites this district council should supply?
20: I can't actually answer that question. <laughs>
6: I think the answer is we haven't got enough, but we don't know how much we haven't got enough by. But the answer to your straight answer to your question is we haven't got enough. <laughs> I'll
20: answer one uh, by a third party, and that was on drainage. Um, th- this this site has been subject to. Um, uh, drainage compliance by our own building inspectors by Roy Gillard who's been out to the site twice and has been in close contact with the developer and he's confirmed for me for this meeting that uh, they are all subject to separate um, treatment plants or biodigesters and as far as he is concerned there is the capacity for them to all work properly once Certain teething problems are out of the way, and that there should not be a drainage problem for this site. Okay. Councillor Hicks, just before
0: you have your say, I'm just going to try and see where we are. Um, Councillor Gerard, I take your point you haven't visited the site. I think most of the others of us here have visited the site. Um, I'm aware you're also sitting as a substitute, so it actually becomes very difficult to. Uh, prolong a process for that reason. So um, I think the photographs actually give you as clear an image as you can possibly see as far as the proportion and what is there. So I'm going to say that we deal with what we've got in front of us on that point. I I understand what you're saying, but there we go. Um, The other thing is we're aware of the papers a little bit in advance, so we can always visit them independently. Um, I'm aware of Councillor Fairhurst's point as well, and I I find myself... I don't like a, a development by stealth per se. If the trees and the planting is an issue for enforcement, then we should follow it up through enforcement and we should ask our enforcement department yeah. to therefore that. pursue that issue. It's not actually relevant to the planning application that's in front of us. I, I take your point that it's, you know, it's, it's, it appears to be something blatantly flying in the face of where we are No, the decision is as it is. I I, I believe it's perhaps to the integrity of Mr Boswell and everything else going forward, but I think we've got to make this decision based on what is in front of us, based on the evidence that's been presented, based on the images that we can see for what we've got. Okay, Um, Councillor Hicks,
15: you wanted to speak. Thank you, Jim. Um, uh, In my opinion, we've spent far too much on of council time, money and effort on this site and the various um, uh, strong feelings which it uh, uh, engenders in uh, councillors at all levels and in the local population. Uh, It seems to me that the the best way to deal with this thing is is summarised in... Uh, 11.10 of the officer's report Uh, it should be emphasised that uh, that the opinion of the author of the report that the subdivision as proposed should and ought to represent the final gypsy traveller pitch to be provided at hand and sight on the basis that any further subdivision would lead to overdevelopment it seems to me that if we make that very clear we would be far more sensibly applied if we, if we <coughs> approved this but on that basis that this is the last time so that's uh, what I would contribute to it, Chairman uh, Thank you,
6: Councillor Hicks yeah, Are we actually able to do that? I don't We can't, we can't actually do that, but I can understand where Councillor Hicks is coming yeah, so from. We have ended up at the end game on this particular site and as I said at the very beginning, I wished this is what we ended up with at the very beginning. We would have had a bigger debate, I'm sure we would have had about it, but this is where we've ended up. You look at it, you can't see those sites being subdivided. You can see an attempt to try to include other pieces of land outside of that, but that's a different, that's a different, that's a different thing where we are. But we can't prevent someone applying to subdivide it. Um, but but I think what Clive has put in the report is exactly right. I think this is the end game for this particular site. It's been okay. a pain getting there, but this is the <coughs> are. Councillor Hicks, are you happy to
0: propose? I'm
15: sorry, I'm, I'm I have a proposer happy to in propose Councillor Lockland. We are you should, should happy approve this um, application, um, and if we can incorporate words to that effect in the. Um, Conditioning, then I'm I'm even
6: more happy to propose it. I don't think we we can put, we can't, we can't articulate those words in approving planning permission, but I think you've just said it. Well, if you can come to a form
15: of words that conveys the same, uh, we can convey that message. Intention.
0: Okay, I have a I have a proposal, Councillor Lachlan. Are you happy to second it? Happy to second it?
15: Certainly happy to second.
0: Okay, I have a proposal and a seconder for approval of this application. Can I please have a show of hands for those in favour? I have five. Those against? One, two, three, four abstentions? One. That application is carried. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have a five-minute break and then carry on. Thank you very much. Okay, everybody Continuing, application UTT 172807 Full application 14 St John's Crescent Stansted We visited this morning uh, Ready to take us through it? Okay
23: Thank you Chairman The application site is 14 St John's Crescent in Stansted uh, The site itself is located Within the development limits of Stansted Itself Um, The site consists of a bungalow, um, as you can see here. Um, And as you can see, it's sitting uh, amongst the adjacent properties. The applications for the proposed demolition of the bungalow um, and its garage and the erection of two uh, detached four-bedroom dwellings. The the dwellings would be... um, Sorry... The dwellings would be um, two storey, four bedrooms, um, and they will sit on the site with uh, parking to the front of the site located here. In terms of the size and scale of the dwellings, um, to the eaves it will be um, 5.2 metres in height and to the ridge of the roof 8.5 metres. The setting of the site itself, um, as you saw on site, so they would be set off the shared boundary uh, from here by 2 metres. At the closest point uh, to the south, it will be uh, 0.7 metres with a, a bigger distance here at 4.2 Back-to-back distances from the proposed dwellings to the existing rear properties is 33.5 metres with um, 12-metre-deep gardens. The gardens themselves would exceed um, Essex Design Guide um, guide standards of 100 square metres at 129 square metres. In terms of the... um, Comments uh, through consultations, these are outlined within the committee report um, set out um, from page 77 onwards. Your attention is also drawn to the sub-reps, which um, provides additional uh, letters that have been received following a reconsultation on amended plans on the scheme. In terms of the main issues surrounding the application, um, details regarding the mix and scale of existing dwellings um, around the application site and um, and there is no set uniform in terms of character. Um, You had seen on um, our site visit this morning um, the differing houses that are surrounding the actual application site. In terms of the assessment of the application, um, the size, scale and design of the the proposed dwellings are considered um, appropriate. Um, There will be use of traditional materials as well. This uh, drawing here shows you um, how um, the dwellings would sit uh, amongst the application sites in between the existing adjacent bungalow and the adjacent two-storey dwelling. There are no, it's been um, assessed that there will be no um, harm to the character of the street, street scene itself, no material increase in overlooking, although objections have been raised by neighbouring properties in terms of increased overlooking um, of a sitting out area located here and um, windows into sitting rooms. However, as part of the application, Um, The scheme has been revised in that um, the first-floor bedroom window located here has been moved away from the the closest corner of the um, shared boundary and the window has been made smaller to uh, reduce the opportunity for overlooking. This was also assessed as part of the application that there is also alternative private um, areas of amenity space on the adjacent application site as well. Overall, um, the scheme accords with policy. Um, parking provision accords uh, also with standard. No objections have been raised in terms of highways, ecology, landscaping. Um, therefore, the applications recommended for approval subject to the conditions listed within the report on page 83 and 84 on the agenda. Thank you, Chairman.
0: Uh, Thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. We have one speaker, the agent, uh, Mr. Warwick. Okay. No, more than... Thank you for that. Um, Okay, over to you, members.
2: Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, Can we just confirm, uh, on page 84, condition number 4, which is... M4 brackets to accessible and adaptable design, uh, dwellings. Can we just confirm? Uh, I'm not fully familiar with that condition. Uh, that This is actually a facility for installing a wheelchair lift if required at a later date.
23: The um, Part M. Um, supersedes the lifetime home standards um, and it's uh, part of the current building regulations Um, it's to ensure that the house is um, able to be adapted to be able to provide a through floor lift at a later date.
2: Okay, in that case Chairman, I submit that that does actually negate most of the value of actually having a bungalow on this site, because it means that all the floors are available if you're unfortunately required to use a wheelchair Mm,
3: That's a good point Uh, Councillor Fairhurst Thank you, Mr. Chairman. A couple of things. Um, is that um, tandem parking on the bottom left-hand corner? We don't encourage it, I thought. That's the first thing. And second thing is, I'm, not, I'm not mad about the thought that if, if there was overlooking, that we, the excuses will they put other amenity space around the corner. Overlooking is overlooking. Um, but I think today we saw the site, and I would suggest that there is not much overlooking. I was the window, if you remember, and that, I would know that. Um, not high enough. But, so I would propose that we accept this. I think it seems like a good site. Uh, Councillor Lachlan? Thank
24: you.
3: Um, sorry, I've got my microphone
9: to the side, so i have to disappear for a minute. Um, can, uh, Mr Brown, I know you don't like wheel washing, um, this is, an, it's not a private road, because there's only one private road in Stansett, but it, it is an unadopted road that the residents make up. So, um, if we don't have wheel washing facilities, is there any condition that we can put on that if the developers damage the road, which could happen, that they will be liable for its making up, please? Because I couldn't see that under the conditions.
6: No. Um, yeah, you're right, <laughs> You know that I don't like construction management plans. Members that were on the coach this morning will realise why I was late getting back on the coach because I was speaking to one of the objectors, and they're not here today, one of the objectors who's actually the chairman of, it's not a private road, it's an unadopted road, which means the residents are responsible for the maintenance of the road. And so therefore, as I can see, I can see something coming on. If this was approved today, there's likely to be a problem. And so, um, now again, I would always argue that um, construction is not a planning issue, and it's very difficult to divulge the two. So it may be, in this particular case, a construction management plan may be something, at least that would encourage early engagement with the developer, even if it's developer, here's the people who run the road, between the two of them they should be able to sort it out. So don't specify anything, just go for a construction management plan, and that should do everything
0: Okay, uh, Councillor Gerard. Okay.
5: Just, Sorry. Um, just mindful of just some of the parish council comments. Um, with, I mean, the issue of bungalows, I think, has been handled because I think the issue of providing housing for the over 60s is important, and I think that's been covered. I think that um, the issue seems to be one possibly of um, the materials being used. Now, on the, if you can come back, Maria. If you can just go back to the elevation. Yeah. Um, and in, in terms of the materials being used versus the materials being used already in existence in neighbouring properties, um, are they slightly conflicting or are they compliant?
23: In terms of, if I go back to the pictures um, of the street scene, um, predominantly brick, there is render as well. Um,
5: the, the elevation seems to show some quite dark rendering.
23: Uh, I believe it's weatherboarding that um, located here above. Uh, the rest of the um, the rest of the buildings proposed to be brick. However, there is a condition that has been placed: condition two regarding details and the materials to be submitted for approval. Okay.
0: <coughs> this, okay. this is an That's item for right the there. officers okay. going forward. Fine. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Councillor Ryles, and then Councillor Hicks.
7: Um, I, I, the, the design there's no overlooking issues as far as I'm concerned and I don't blame the applicant for doing what he's doing um, but we are uh, dreadfully short of um, starter homes for people um, and of course people for the, uh, over a certain age that might need wheelchair access so what I would prefer to see is um, two small sets of maisonettes for want of a better expression it's a very old expression isn't it um, but if you like just two 2 bedroom flat units with maybe a lift in there to, you know, for the future, um, I think that would be a little bit more acceptable <coughs> to me rather than just going for a four bedroom house which is going to house, house one family um, and could house two families, basically. Uh, again, we have to deal with the application that's in front of us. I, yeah.
0: I take your point, yeah. but that's where we are. Yeah. Councillor Hicks.
15: Sorry, the point that I was going to make, Chairman, has been made, so thank you.
2: Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm mindful of approving this, but I would like to see that if Condition 4 comes back for being lifted, which does happen, uh, that it comes back to Committee, because I think the provision uh, of M4 Section 2 adaptable dwellings is a key part of this, and I would not want to see it lifted without it coming back to this committee. Can you make sure of that?
6: Um, we can't actually guarantee that it will find its way back to committee. It will have to find its way back to committee in the way this has found its way to committee. <coughs> yeah, by a call <laughs> in. But I should add, I absolutely fundamentally agree with your concerns, should that condition be
20: removed.
23: Can I just say, though, that the wording of the condition would need to be um, altered, because it currently states um, that it would need to be built in accordance with. It doesn't seek for details to be submitted for approval. So
6: no, no that, no, that condition's correct. Oh, OK. Because all that condition does um, is um, flag up, under building regs, the M4 bit. All it does is flag up. They don't have to do anything. It's just a flag up. There's no details to be submitted. Um, and, and, so there, and then that will naturally, through the building regs, enforce that the M4 too, parts of the processes are... Which is what we want, for exactly the same reasons as what Councilor Freeman said in the outset. Councillor Gerard.
0: You're fine. Okay. Uh, I have a proposal, Don't. I believe. I have a proposer, Councillor Fairhurst. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Freeman. All those in favor for this application please show? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Councillor Ar. That application is approved. We're moving on to UTT 172429, Outline Planning for Full Hilltop Lane. Uh, This application is before us because UDC has an interest in the land.
3: Mr Emanuel, when you're ready. Mr Chairman, Mr Chairman. I submit that this might, in fact, fall under the issue of, of uh, conflict of interest, and I'd like to talk to that now.
0: This is a point you raised with me earlier. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask legal to just uh, clarify. May I just make the point? This is because it's UDC ownership. Okay.
3: <laughs> we are, but he's broadened the okay. question. Okay, Mr. Okay. Chairman. Nemo iudex in sua causa, the very old common law principle. It means you should not be a judge in your own matter. And this is a very big issue. It's an issue that's been raised a number of times. It affects us on a number of occasions. And it's one we have to address ourselves to because it may render our entire decision invalid. In fact, in our own constitution, we have a comment I saw—I just looked up today. It said something like, to decide whether an interest is prejudicial, members should apply the following test. And it's a very old Lord Denning test. Would a member of the public with knowledge of the relevant facts reasonably regard this interest as so significant that it's likely to prejudice the judgment of public interest. And in this case, we have to ask ourselves when we make this decision whether if we approve this, are we looking at the public interest or in fact does the UDC itself gain more benefit than that? And if it does, we have to recuse ourselves we are being a judge in our own case. I took advice from counsel on this subject and we definitely have to look at this process because it's going to affect us in a number of other areas. There's another matter on this file, number 12, and when we go to settlements, it's going to be even more important. So I submit that we look at this ourselves. We need some advice, obviously from our our learned legal advisor, but I'm sure she'll agree with you on this. It's pretty straightforward. (coughs) Elizabeth.
18: I've not got quite that far yet, Councillor Chambers. Um, Basically... I would refer you to the Town and Country Planning General Regulations of 1992. Uh, Basically, regulation two of those regulations uh, deals specifically with land of interested planning authorities and development by them and what it says is subject to paragraph two below in relation to land of an interested planning authority other than land any part of which is within a national park and which is land of a planning authority which is a non-metropolitan district council, and land in respect of which an urban development corporation is a local planning authority and which is vested in another local planning authority, and development of any land by an interested planning authority or such authority jointly with any person other than development, whether or not jointly with any person by an interested planning authority which is a non-metropolitan district council of land any part of which is in a national park and another local planning authority of land in respect of which an urban development corporation is a local planning authority the provisions of parts three seven and eight of the 1990 act other than sections seventy six ninety 2, 5, and 223 shall apply subject to regulations 3 to 11 below. Regulation 3 goes on to say that subject to regulation 4 below an application for planning permission by an interested planning authority to develop any land of that authority or for development of any land by an interested planning authority or by an interested planning authority jointly with any other person shall be determined by the authority concerned unless the application is referred to the Secretary of State under section 77 of the 1990 Act for Determination by him. Essentially section Uh, Regulation 3, I'm sorry, of the 1992 regulations specifically permits a planning authority to determine planning applications when that authority is the landowner. (coughs) (coughs)
0: Uh, All right. Ben, did you get all that? Okay. Um, okay, thank you very much, Elizabeth, and I think Councillor Fair, is going to come back. Unfortunately, yes,
3: Mr Chairman. That is an empowering clause, and that gives us authority which we actually exercise in this com- committee. That doesn't overrule common law. At the end of the day, if it did, there'd be no issue of conflict of interest in this council, which I think everyone would accept would be completely an- 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 anathema to us. So I would argue that if we look at any issue in which we are a party, regardless of, in fact, we're the only party, we have to weigh the decision on, on an issue of whether it is in the public interest or in our interest, and if it's in both, that our interest itself and our decision in the public interest comes first. If it doesn't, if it's an interest that applies to us and we are the beneficiary in that situation, I would submit we have a conflict of interests. In This case is one, Number 12 is slightly more complicated. If we don't apply my it, what we effectively saying is we are immune to the common law of conflict of interest. And that, I'm afraid, is something we couldn't live with. Uh, Councillor Loughlin.
9: But that would negate all our decisions that we've made in the past, surely?
3: Yeah, it would. It would only negate sorry, it would not negate any decision if a decision was taken with the public interest comes first. It's a question of balancing two competing interests. A conflict of interest happens when and it says this specifically um, any compromise would like to compromise the impartiality of those who work for it. It's about impartiality. The issue is this. If we've made decisions, I'm sure we have made decisions where we are a part of the state, that itself is not essentially compromised. But we have to apply our minds when the application, when we in fact indeed are the applicant. We have to ask ourselves and we have to continue to ask, I think we should remind ourselves each time, that if we are the applicant and we are the sole beneficiary or that the public uh, public interest is less or inferior to that decision, we then have to declare a conflict. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's a question of partiality and the quality of our decision. Okay, I
0: hear what you're saying, Paul. Okay, Um, we're going to continue. Point noted. Um, We will ask perhaps legal barristers or whatever to look at this just to make sure. But I'm reasonably happy that when you say in the public interest, in this instance, Um, the benefit of the redevelopment, if you like, for this bungalow as such, will go back to the council and those assets, therefore, are distributed back into the public anyway. So it's all one big, you know, it's one pocket from another. I take your point, gentlemen, if it's Eric, Mr Hicks.
15: Thank you, Chairman. I would just like to say that uh, this planning committee is appointed by Uttersford District Council, which is duly elected by the um, citizens of this a particular part of the United Kingdom, and that uh, as such, any decisions which we take are in the public interest. Okay, okay well, point
0: you know, put this point to bed. I, I, I take Councillor Fair's point and we'll make sure legally that we're happy with it. It's just unfortunate it came with only 10 minutes' notice. Um, okay, uh, we will continue from wherever we were, mm-hmm. <coughs> no,
6: okay. Emmanuel.
16: Thank you, Chair. (coughs) This is an outline application. Uh, It's an outline application with all matters reserved for the construction of one two-bed bungalow for private sale with associated external works and parking. This is the application site here, adjacent to number four. And uh, the the access that I'm going to show you in a minute will come from here, and this is where the the two-bed bungalow will be relocated. I mean, located. As you can see, predominantly the area is characterized by different scale design and mass of a residential building. There is what I would call an uneven building line. This is the block plan of the proposed site. This is number four. These two car parking spaces belong to number four. The the proposed access will be from this angle leading to the bungalow here. There's a parking here designated for the bungalow and one here as well. Taking into consideration that the area is predominantly two-story buildings, the, pro- the outline application if, is just a bungalow for two beds. It is your officer's opinion that in terms of character, it will blend with the existing character of the area. And the other issue regarding to amenity Will be assessed during the reserve matter stage. Overall, the scheme is considered acceptable subject to the recommended planning condition attached to your report. Thank you. Uh,
0: thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, we have one speaker, uh, Mr. Doug Mallins for UDC.
25: Doug, you have three minutes. No, thank you, Chair. I won't keep you that long. Um, just really by way of background just to say how this site comes about um, when obviously the council owns a number of council properties across the district and when they become void um, our maintenance surveyors obviously look at the property but also look at the, the grounds that are available and it's, it's, it's a case of seeing what Whether there are, some of our properties that have very big gardens, clearly, and if they are accessible and perhaps in an area where development has potential, it's a good way for the council to, if you like, make the most of its assets. Uh, And in this case, obviously, it's whilst we have an ongoing affordable housing development programme, building one unit of affordable housing on a site like this is not particularly economically viable, but obviously for sale we could sell, sell the site for private development and re- put the money back into the, um, into the housing revenue account, which can then work to subsidise our future affordable housing developments moving forward. So it, it kind of makes the best of our assets in that respect. Um, I appreciate, obviously, back development has... Uh, it, it's not the easiest thing, and it has, does have issues attached to it, but I think, taking account on account what the planning officer so, so well said, um, you know, the area that's in has clearly had different development lines, there's not a specific development line in that area and, and indeed if you look at the location plan on the back of the report um, number 6 Hilltop Lane and number 9 Cromwell um, Cromwell Road which are adjacent to our site are clearly backland development um, already which has happened in the past so it kind of blends in terms of the way we're looking at it um, so, we're also only proposing a single-storey dwelling, um, so we're not looking to overbear or overlook anything, and, and I think whilst also I think the Town Council objected to the development, but they did recognise, and this is important, I think, they recognised the shortage of supply of bungalows within Saffron Walden, so this is a specific point they made. Um, thank you very much.
0: Uh, thank you, Mr Mullins. Um We have no further speakers, so over to you, committee. Councillor Davy.
1: Well, it was interesting hearing the legal <coughs> angle on it at the very beginning, but at the end of the day, what we're finishing up with here is a small bungalow which fulfils a need. Uh, and as there's nobody, I understand, there's nobody living in the house which is, which is the, uh, where it was originally the garden. And that, that, that house will be available for, for, for uh, some other... Uh, local government housing option, then I think we should approve it and I would like to propose that we go ahead.
0: OK, that's a proposal. Do I find a seconder?
15: Seconded, Chairman.
0: Seconded, Councillor Hicks. Does anybody else want to speak on this matter? Councillor Fairhurst.
3: Mr Chairman, if a developer had come to me and said, I've got this piece of house with a long strip of garden, and I'd like to develop this house, backland development. Of course, my radar would be up, because backland development is a bit of an odd thing already. We don't encourage it. It's sort of a squeeze over development. Um, I must confess, I think he's, he's taking an opportunity to optimize his investment, and that's okay, it's fine, as long as the neighbors don't object. But it isn't. This is us. This is UDC saying, look, we can squeeze another housing here. This is a, this is a social housing, so the chap can just take a tiny, tiny bar, uh, uh, guard in the back and we can crunch. I, I love bungal- bungalows. I didn't take part in the town council and voters, just in case that's thought. I think bungalows are important. I think we have to wear that up, but we need a bungalow and we can get to a bungalow. That's great. But this is us. So we're going to start. We're going to set a precedent. Let's start doing backland development through all our assets so we can optimise our assets because this is what we do. I come back to what I said about the legal side. Let's set ourselves up as what is the interest here. Are we deciding something because it's commercially viable, which is what is proposed? Or are we doing something in the interest of the common good or the society in which we live? I don't feel comfortable with this. I think we need bungalows and I always support bungalows. This is us. We're going to have a long strip of panhandle. We're going to squeeze our other little house down to a single entrance. It looks great, doesn't it? I hope I'm not going to have to live there.
0: I take the point, but uh, as you say, this is us. This money goes back into the HRA account, which is therefore supporting a council that is still building council houses. That in itself should be admired and uh, accepted as such. Uh, the only other point I'd like to clarify is, and I spoke to Emmanuel about this, is that the two spaces on the front kind of read as if they're parking for this development. Uh, they're actually not or anything to do with this. They just happen to be the same colour. OK, I have a proposer and I have a seconder. Um, All those in favour of this application, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. I have six in favour. Those against? One. Abstentions? Two. That makes nine. Okay, fine. One taking no further part. Okay. Thank you very much for that. That application is approved. We move on to UTT 172822, full. And Mr Theobald to take us through it.
6: Ready? Judith Snears is here. No, keep it brief. You don't need to sell this game. No, no, no. Do you want it as a top tank? No. no, I just heard No. Just... no I want just the caller if it goes where it know. goes.
3: Yeah. Mr Theobald. Thank you, Chair.
20: This application seeks the removal of two planning conditions relating to the Code for Sustainable Homes and Renewable and Low-Carbon Energy Technologies, respectively, which were imposed under planning permission in 2008 and variation of a planning condition imposed under the same permission, seeking removal of a lift for a three-storey block of one-bedroom affordable flats as part of a wider affordable housing scheme comprising 34 affordable dwellings approved at this site at Sector 3 Woodens Park. As part of the applicant's case to the council by way of some compensation to offset the loss of the lift for this scheme, the developer has stated that it is prepared to provide additional accessibility measures, namely automatic sliding doors for the external entrance and internal doors for the ground floor of the flatted block. Now this shows the the scheme as um, uh, without the the lift and it is um, also showing uh, the measures for the sliding doors. Now the report concludes that the two conditions for sustainable homes and renewable or low carbon energy technologies can be removed as the applicant has satisfied the Council that the approved development would be built to updated building regulation standards and that it would no longer be reasonable to impose a renewables condition on residential developments today, given that they are often incorporated into the build process in any event. As far as the variation of condition, to remove the lift for these 6-1 bed flats... Strong commercial justification has been put forward by the applicant, including a costings sheet prepared by Estuary Housing, who would be the housing provider for this affordable housing scheme. Should um, permission be granted, seeking the variance of this condition to allow the three-storey, one-bed affordable housing block approved as part of this affordable housing scheme uh, to be constructed at left, to be then reworded accordingly to reflect the remainder of the development to be built to accessible standards in accordance with uh, policy gen 2 and the SPD, accessible homes and play space. So on this basis as a balanced report, Chairman, the application is recommended for approval. Uh, Thank you Mr Theobald. Uh, We
0: have no speakers on this application so it is basically open to the floor. Councillor Gerard, and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um,
5: Could I just get a point of clarification, please, from the officer? Could I just get a point of clarification, please, from the officer? um, The proposal, the application is to remove remove some of the conditions, including the removal of a lift. Um, So... I understand that the applicant indirectly is the owner of the affordable homes They're looking to save money on a commercial basis. So in terms of the, the, the ultimate user of the accommodation, how would they access the top floor?
20: This comes down to who would be actually using the top floor. Um, this comes to the wider debate as to our SPD on accessible homes. And on the one hand we have the SPD which states that, and for flats, flatted developments, anything above two storey requires a lift. So on the one hand, this SPD which goes back to the original lifetime homes, uh, which has now been superseded by the Accessible Home Standards and uh, the Building Regulations Update. It would mean that um, on the top floor, the housing provider would have to, uh, through the general needs process, uh, by the allocation of the the tenants, uh, there would have to be an agreement that those persons in a one-bed situation Uh, as opposed to a two-bed situation and these are six one-bed apartments across three floors uh, that those persons who may have disabilities, uh, infirm or um, are of a a physical um, disposition that they can't uh, uh, use a lift would be reallocated either on the ground floor such as a wheelchair accessible unit or they may be reallocated to another scheme elsewhere, thereby negating the need for them to be on a floor uh, which can't be accessed by a lift. So this does go to the heart of whether or not the council should rigorously still impose the SPD, or in this particular occasion, whether or not by the general needs process uh, there should be flexibility. Now, if you look at the report, and I've tried to balance the report, um, on the one hand, it's um, emphasising the existing SPD, where members have previously enforced this in in, uh, recent decisions. Um, You will see that the consultation response from housing, the initial housing response, was that we should... Um, continue to enforce our SPD on accessible homes or lifetime homes as it was. Um, Then there was a review of that consultation response and the advice that we have now been given um, in planning from housing is that the, the SPD, whilst not prescriptive in its interpretation... Um, would appear to apply, have more relevance to two-bed apartments where there could be a tendency for families rather than a one-bed situation where that need may not be so critical and where they could be reallocated elsewhere. So um, I'm not uh, necessarily um, uh, saying that the SPD here should be reviewed. I'm simply saying the advice that I've received from housing uh, in response to this particular application proposal for the request to remove the lift as a variation of condition, and that's reflected um, in my report, and that's balanced also with the commercial need which has been put forward by estuary housing, that the capital costs, installation costs, and service charges costs of the lift would be prohibitive on any tenants of uh, such a block. Just to clarify, we're being asked
5: to change our policy in not enforcing an SPD for commercial
20: reasons. Is that the gist of it? The housing response is is more on the, uh, the general needs of a tenant and I don't necessarily think that they've been persuaded necessarily by the commercial case of this application. It's essentially come in as a a non-viability argument by the housing provider. So um, it was on the the response I I got a second time around from the housing uh, department, but uh, obviously we now have... Two situations on this application decision: one, the commercial, and secondly, on the SPD itself. Mr. Theobald, I am not
5: accusing you of being, sort of in any way, sort of being swayed by the housing. But I, I know you are in a difficult position. But I think, for us as a committee, we have to look at it in a slightly different way. And I, I personally don't think that we should be looking at this for commercial reasons. If, there, if this is, if these are units that. can be used by anyone. They don't have to be infirm or disabled. There's just people that just don't particularly want to have to walk up two flights or three flights of stairs. Um, I don't think that we should defer from um, enforcing our SPDs.
0: Councillor, the actual answer to your question was yes. Okay? Um, But there's a little bit more to this than meets the eye, okay, as there is with most of these things. I know some others of you want to speak, but... um, These are affordable, so they'll fall under our control with the Housing Authority, Okay, Uh, And we have a requirement to get as many units built as possible. Now, there is a a danger, I'll say, that if it can be proven that this is not viable as such, uh, that a Housing Authority doesn't come forward to take up the allocation. If we can't find somebody to build it because it can't be made to work, then we could possibly lose the permission and then the developer has the potential to come back with market housing. Am I correct?
6: There's quite a a few hurdles to get to before we get to
0: that. But but that's the end game. Now, I'm, I'm with you on this. In fact, for this particular developer, I'm absolutely with you because we've been over a barrel with this. This is the thin end of the wedge and lots of things have gone on. But in this instance... Uh, and we have Judith Snares in the room. So what what they've done is they've done an analysis of of what type of housing we need. They've looked at what our need is and we do need one-bedroom units of this nature. It does fit our requirement. In the event that, say, a a couple were there and the, the lady fell pregnant or whatever and they therefore couldn't manage without us, then they have every right to, at the point of six months, be asked to be rehoused and it may be that one of the base units is available. So what I'm saying is that within our system we have over 4,000 properties. We would be able to hopefully meet that need and those people would go to the top of a priority list. So those people would be addressed as as early as possible. Yeah? Does that sort of help with the... Well, it it does too. I mean I'm on the housing board
5: and I, I, I do hear these cases on a regular basis but the point is that sometimes they're not available. And that's the problem, is that they're not, they're not available when, usually, when they're needed, and that is a constant problem that the housing board have. I'm just concerned about setting a
0: precedent.: Councillor Riles.
7: Sorry, and you. Sorry. I just want to re- I'll, uh, I will come support uh, Councillor Gerard's view on this. I think why, I mean, as, as, why are we agreeing to something that limits our, uh, uh, our supply of homes for people? Um, in any way, so we're causing a little problem for ourselves here, aren't we? Because if, say, for example, we have the scenario that somebody can get to the top floor, but they become ill and they need to have access to a wheelchair and get up and down, by by doing this, we take away, we have, we we cause another problem. Not only that, poor person has to move from somewhere where they've been for a long time; they probably really enjoy the area, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have a problem for ourselves trying to find them somewhere to live within the district, and it's all there's an awful lot of coulds and shoulds in this sort of um, application. I think we should be a little bit more prescriptive. I should think we should be thinking a little bit more about uh, making sure that the the, uh, applicant cannot avoid his original (coughs) application responsibilities. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, I think that those lifts should stay. The fact that it's going to cost £28 a month extra for that person uh, for having a lift, or that, that provision of a lift to that particular apartment, I, I think is negligible, because if people do need some help, I'm sure we'll be able to help them out for 28 pounds a month. Coming back to the removal of the conditions, as far as the um, uh, code for sustainable homes, renewable, or low carbon technology, um, Clive, you mentioned that um, if these are removed, um, you mentioned that they are off the, the criteria or the, the benchmark is often included. Within the existing building regulations. Uh, again, it says often you're saying often included. If you were saying to me, well, this, this, um, when was this really, first approved? 2008 or something? Quite some time ago. So I can understand things have moved on. Um, 2002. 2002. Wow. Why haven't they built them since? <coughs> Earlier.
0: Anyway. Because it's woodlands development. Yeah. Oh, of can course. I, just, okay, can so I just?
7: Anyway, can I just finish yeah, off my yeah, point, just, please? No, I I understand understand if technology has moved on. Fine. But what I would like to see, that if you're going to remove that, that the existing uh, building uh, regulations, uh, building control regulations, actually match or even surpass what you're taking away. Because if you're not, you're again uh, reducing the the, um, environmental protection, if you like, on these properties. There's my points.
6: <coughs> <laughs> He's going to explain this. Yeah, I'm just. I, well, you've just raised something that's. That this is on the more of the renewable issue, to be honest. The 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 situation, the standard issue regarding renewable renewables is the the condition is no longer necessary because the building regs have caught up. That's the situation. If you you know we've approved houses today, whereby that's going to be the situation. That's not necessarily the situation here. This is a planning permission that was granted in 2008. Um, now, the renewable situation has improved since 2008, so quite often in order for them to bank old regs and this is not a bad thing, this is what developers do, developers bank, uh, they, they submit an application, they do, um, this particular developer does not use our, um, our building control service and not many volume builders do. And so what the approved Inspector could quite, write, could quite possibly have banked a submission way back which would have been under the old regs, which <coughs> means the application is considered under the old regs. So the renewables may not... I don't know the answer to this question. The renewables may not have been caught up by the building regulations because the application could be built under the old building regulations because that's the problem with Woodlands Park because we are always talking 10 years previous than where we are. And that is the problem where we've got the current problem with the lifts. The lifts were approved under, improved in, under the old lifetime homes policy, which, as a policy, is getting old past its sell-by date and is being superseded by the Part M regs, which you can sat, be satisfied that if this had been approved from fresh today, it would be approved under Part M and a lift would be required. And that's how it would be. So, so I can't guarantee... Without checking, and we can't show <coughs> that now, whether or not they banked it being approved under the old regs, whether the renewable energy issue has been superseded by the building regs. So that's a fair question.
7: Sorry, Nigel. No, just, just to reiterate my point, I get, I get, understand the, the the banking of those previous regulations. However, if we don't know what we're letting this, deba- letting this, these conditions go, and what the, you know, what the effect of that is, or the impact is with the current building regulations. I don't think we should release them until... I don't think this should go ahead until we've actually done an investigation. ones, I agree with you. Fine. That's one point. And then secondly, I think the principle about... um, as As an authority, we have to do the best for our residents. There is a demand... As I made the point earlier today, there is a demand for single... Or two-bedroom properties, and if we have to have a lift in there to give it, make it more accessible to everybody else, I think that's what we should be looking at. If I'm not sure that's appropriate, and this uh, you can't, but that's the point. That's the point. Councillor Freeman.
2: Thank you.
0: I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I noted the tone.
2: Every, right? a, everything comes to they who wait. I was thinking I might have to have breakfast and come back tomorrow. Um, I'm fully uh, in support of Councillor Riles on this matter. And in fact, I think we need to cut to the chase here because what we've got is a substantial amount of obfuscation and uh, sort of clouding of the, the key issue. And the key issue to me is that consent was granted for a block with lift. Three storeys and a mechanical lift. That was granted. The developer then for their own reasons chose not to implement it immediately and this application and this consent has acquired the quality of a decent wine. It's been laid down in cellar. It's accumulated dust. It might even be corked by now, for all I know. And now They've done a review of the seller, they bought the wine out, said, See, what we could sell this for something, couldn't we? Yeah, right. right. In fact, it's undrinkable, it's irrelevant, you know. Uh, they might get away with it. Now, the developer could have gone on and built them, they chose not to, there's nothing we can do about that. Our housing numbers depend on the assumption that people are actually going to use the consents which they have been given by by this council. If they don't use them, that's up to them. You know, it's, it's, we, we can't influence that. But then coming back 10 years later, and it's 10 years since 2008, uh, and saying, well, this doesn't apply anymore. OK, that's the, that's the environmental regulations, 2008. But the point about a lift is a lift is a lift. It's very straightforward. Uh, and the third floor is the third floor, however you measure it, or second floor. Uh, it's an essential part of the development we found it essential then i don't believe that that condition should now be relaxed and more importantly why should you, just because you're in a one-bedroomed apartment, be penalised for being in a one-bedroom apartment? If I was one person living in a two-bedroom apartment, this penalty, this penalty would not apply. Uh, assume, presumably, they, they, they do have lifts. I think the, the, the most valuable thing that this chamber has, and that this council has, is planning consent. And that is the ability not to give planning consent. When we had the... Uh, a workshop here on planning and it was particularly relating to garden communities the um, presenter said the most valuable thing you have is consent your ability to give it and your ability not to give it and i think we should send a very strong message just don't give consent for this it's very straightforward you know don't try it on please you know it's been a long time we spent a lot of time on this as far as i'm concerned uh they have a lift Not so worried about the environmental stuff. I accept what uh, um, Nigel Brown says, that we've caught up with that in terms of building regs, but actually a lift is a
3: lift. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. A couple of things. The first, of course, is we, we we are advised that the environmental things um, have become redundant because they've already been incorporated in other planning processes. Well, if that's the case, then what's the problem with the condition? We've already met it. So let's keep it in. It makes no difference. Um, the second thing, of course, is the lift. And I'm afraid I totally agree with what Councillor Freeman has said. Um, and I propose that we, we reject this suggestion. and we. Well, thank you.
9: Thank you. Um, Well, I'm rather concerned um, that housing has said that uh, lifts should only be provided for uh, two bedrooms because any woman who's had children will know that struggling up or downstairs with a child in one arm and a pram or a buggy is impossible. You cannot leave it in a corridor because it's a fire risk uh, and it impedes an exit and if you had three families in there then you have, could have three prams and that, that's a definite no-no so I, I don't see why we need to remove this condition I believe I was actually on the committee that actually put that on and I think at the time we probably had quite a big discussion around that and uh, thought that was the right thing at the time and I don't think uh, I would have changed my mind now so I won't be voting to remove that condition
0: Okay. Anybody else? No? So you've all had a go, as usual. <clears throat> okay. Um, I have a, I think, Councillor Fairhurst, you proposed the refusal. Yeah? Does that find a second? It does. Can I suggest a um, yeah, we are gonna have to have some reasons from this, Councillor Fairhurst. Um Uh, I I would also be mindful of the ramifications of this refusal, possibly. So this could well come back in front of us in a couple of years' time in a completely different form, whereby we're over the barrel again. Uh, And I would also remind this committee that last month we refused one on a similar sort of circumstances. Well, we didn't refuse it. We let it go through. So I know we want to send a message to this developer, but we've also got to try and be a bit more consistent, I think. Uh, Mr Brown.
6: Um, The... I suggest, I'm not going to let you work hard for this, because basically the reasons why you're going to refuse this is for the same reason, because the reasons why we put it on in the first place are still there. So thereby refusing, you'll say it's contrary to policy Gen 1 and Gen 2, which is accessibility issues within the local plan, and also the SPD on accessible homes. I should also emphasise the implications of this, what will actually happen if the applicant decides to appeal against this decision, um, then obviously our our SBT on accessible homes will be open to scrutiny. But by then, we could be in a different situation regarding the local plan as it's moving forward. But the second issue are the implications directly on the site. We have a particular... Um, housing provider who has wished it is the housing providers who has requested the the, the, the seek in the list to be removed. It is one of the housing providers. Um, that is no guarantee that none of the other housing providers aren't going to come up with the same problem. What is it basically doing is holding up at the moment, the delivery of market dwellings, because obviously it's going to hit a particular trigger whereby the market dwellings can't continue to be provided. But we've been waiting 10 years, so at the end of the day. But there is a delay in the provision of affordable housing. Members can't lose the sight, but members are, have made that way that particular
0: We have a proposal and a seconder for refusal. Can I please have a show of, lands for refu- show of hands for refusing this application? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And the reasons will be Gen 2, not Gen gen 1. No, Gen 1 is roads only. Gen 1 is access and roads. It's Gen 2.
5: Okay. thank you very much. It was also contrary to the SPD uh, 2005.
6: What, the renewable one? The renewables, yes.
0: We'll add that on. Thank you, (laughs) Councillor. <clears throat> which brings us to the last item thank goodness UTT 17 full application building 60 at Chesterford. Luke Mills to take us through the application. Yes, okay. Councillor okay. Chambers.
10: before you start this application, I, I just have something to say in as much as I listened carefully to what Councillor Fairhurst was saying and whereby I'm not sure I agree entirely with him on some things, I do find that I am in an uncomfortable position with regard to this application. This authority has put in more than £50 million into Aviva going into partnership, which I totally agree with. I don't have any problems with that. But I do think that where you have a large and it's a multi-million pound interest now I do find it very difficult to um, see myself as making a decision on something which I've put forward myself if I can put it simply like that. I understand it is in the interests of the people and everything we do is in the interests of the people but it still seems to me very uncomfortable let me put it to you that way that I should be making a decision on something as big as this that we earn
7: 50% of.
0: Okay, your points noticed. Councillor Riles, did you want to speak just before we start?
7: Uh, Yes, just to come back to um, uh, council, my fellow councillor. We've got a huge potential hole in our budget as a council going through in the next few years. Huge, millions. Okay, now we are a very prudent sensible you know financially aware council and we're doing that not because we want to just make money we're doing that because we want to be able to provide the services for our residents etc etc now i am completely comfortable with approving this because i think that this will in- ok ok alright right but okay let's okay let's let's come back to that point let's come back to that principle are we doing this for our own personal gain no no, we're not, are we? Who are we doing this for? We're doing it for the residents, for the council through to the residents. So as far as I'm concerned, let's just get on with it.
0: Thank okay, you. enough said. Yeah. Mr Brown is just going
6: to clarify yeah, I've just got to clarify two points. Now, since, now first of all, the, what Councillor Riles has said is what we want to try to avoid. It just completely disregard everything Councillor Riles has just said. You need to be considering this application on its planning merits. If it's not acceptable, you should refuse it. If it's acceptable, you should approve it on its planning merits. The fact that you are considering the application, I think you're giving yourself a disservice. Had this not been within the UDC ownership, it would likely be a delegated decision. Because of our own ownership, that is why it's been brought to a higher body in terms of planning committee, and I think you're doing yourself a disservice in terms of giving this application complete scrutiny, like you do every other application. And the fact that you, you know, that as, as a result of it being approved, there is a benefit to the community, but that is not, and it will, should never be a community, it should never be a driving force. Thank you, Mr
10: Chairman. I... Sorry, I just need to come back and say, I just wanted it minuted, because I think it's only fair to the public, for the ordinary person of the public, not just a few, that they understand why we are making this decision. Thank you. Thank you, Eric.
3: What Councillor Chambers has said is the very essence of what I've been trying to say. If we we search our consciences and we arrive at Councillor Chambers' view or Councillor Ryle's view and we've considered the process, we're at least affording the, the public the opportunity to to demonstrate we we are reasoning with objectivity and we've considered this issue. It's a question of saying, and we really have to do this, we are public officials we have to always question whether we have a conflict of interest or whether we're in a position to make an objective decision. If you look at our own issues in terms of interest, the measure measure is, would this is a test of it, would a member of the public with knowledge of the relevant facts reasonably regard this, this interest, our interest, so significant that it's likely to prejudice our judgment of the public interest? In this particular argument, there actually has been a statement that means we have a conflict. So we have to apply our minds to it, and if all 10 of us have, have done so and arrived at the result that, that Councillor Riles has, I'm completely happy with it, but we have to apply our minds to it. Hmm.
0: Point noted. Councillor Loughlin, and then I'm going to go to Mr Mills.
9: Right. Well, I, th- I think it might boil down to whether we're making a planning d- decision, but could can I ask Mr Brown... Would we be challenged at judicial review or could a member of the public perhaps think that we had made a decision uh, under, if you like, Wensbury, unlawfulness and challenges under judicial review?
6: Well, it's a fair question, but it's picking up Councillor Fairhurst's point in terms of when you are making a decision in this room, you need to apply your minds to ensure that you're doing it in an appropriate way. And if that's the case... There's nothing, anything can be challenged, but the fact is you need to be careful and have that in the back of your minds. And I think Councillor Fehrer's raising that twice today is a a good exercise, so members can just exercise their minds every time. You need to concentrate. You are a planning committee at the end of the day. You're not making any other decisions, um, but you need to be mindful that you are doing it in the public interest. Luke Mills, would you please
0: like to make your
4: presentation? Thank you, Chairman. The site includes a research and development facility at the western edge of Chesterford Research Park and a separate portion of land adjacent the Walden Road roundabout. That's this bit here. The application is for planning permission for remodelling works to the existing building, the enlargement of the car park and the formation of an underground reservoir near the roundabout. These images provide an illustration of the remodelled building, which takes a contemporary design approach. The above ground alterations associated with the underground reservoir include a CCTV pole located here, a small area of gravel and a timber gate. As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered and it is recommended that approval be granted.
0: Thank you, Luke. Um, Bless you, bless you, Janice. Um, Fiona Wilkinson. Thank you, Fiona. Sorry you've had to wait so long.
26: So I represent Little Chesterford Parish Council, and the park and Little Chesterford Village are both within the parish. And we've long supported Chesterford Park as a centre for research and development. However, our village is particularly sensitive to park traffic using the high street as a rat run. Um, Some of you I know know Little Chesterford well but for those who don't the High Street isn't a wide boulevard it's a narrow lane it has a single track in places it goes over a single track listed bridge it abuts the road surface abuts listed buildings it's got two 90 degrees bends it's sensitive to increased traffic. And it's because of this that your predecessor committee, when they approved the master plan and the travel plan for the park, they put in place measures to restrict the traffic through the village and to seek to reduce the use of the private car. But these plans haven't been entirely successful So about 70% of traffic going through the village at peak periods is going to and from the park. That's for every four cars going through, around three are going to and from the park. So first of all, we believe that for a 26% increase in floor space, a 185% increase in parking is not in. Line with these agreed objectives of restricting the traffic movement and the reliance on private cars. And secondly, Essex County Council, the Highways Department, have recommended that a travel plan be put in place that includes measurable targets and measurable goals and ways of achieving those goals. We ask, particularly in light of the scrutiny, the public scrutiny that I'm very pleased to hear that you all feel subject to, that this development is considered in the same way that other developments would be by Essex County Council, and ask that you firstly reject the increased parking as not being in line with these um, objectives and secondly, that future travel plans would would meet those Essex County Council uh, considerations of having targets both for reducing reliance on the single car and for restricting the movement through Little Chesterfoot. Thank you.
0: Uh, Thank you, Fiona. Uh, Mr Peter Tanner? I presume that's you?
24: It's my colleague, but I'm here for him. Ah, sorry. (laughs) Speaking as the agent. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Chair. Thank you, members. Um, So... Firstly, this application is for a refurbishment and extension of an existing building. Um, The aim is to uh, bring the building up to a uh, a modern standard. The building has been vacant for um, some time now. Uh, The um, applicant does have some potential uh, occupiers for the site uh, subject to uh, these uh, these proposals. in terms of the the, the car parking uh, provision um, the car parking that is proposed as part of the application uh, firstly uh, is in line with the, uh, the the relevant car parking standards uh, for the uh, the floor space that is proposed here um, the parking standards allow for uh, 125 uh, car parking spaces The proposal uh, proposes 111 uh, secondly the um, the increase in car parking uh, which has been um, suggested by the, the parish council doesn 't uh, only takes account of kind of the formal car parking spaces that the existing property has uh, in fact, the existing building also um, has the availability of a further sixty two spaces on the perimeter driveway. Uh, those spaces will be removed as part of uh, this proposal uh, and therefore the increase is actually substantially lower uh, than um, than is suggested but overall it is in compliance with the um, the parking standards. In terms of the uh, the travel plan point, there is an existing site-wide uh, travel plan which covers the whole of the site uh, and includes the existing building. Uh, and there is no reason why the refurbished building, um, in fact, the refurbished building will continue to be. Um, uh, considered and caught by the requirements within that travel plan and that will be utilised again to uh, try and uh, minimise individual car use to the site Um, I note the Highways Authority, Essex County Council have reviewed the proposals and do consider that they uh, won't have an adverse impact on either highway capacity or or safety so uh, In the round, um, we do consider that the the parking provision and with the travel plan, uh, that 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 is acceptable. Um, As I say, this is a dated building. Uh, The application will deliver improvements um, and provide new uh, employment opportunities. Um, Overall, the proposals are compliant with planning policy. Uh, The Council have followed the correct and standard procedures, and therefore uh, there seems to be no reason why uh, you should not move forward to approve the application. Thank you. Thank you. I won't call you Mr. Tanner if you're not Mr. Tanner,
0: okay? Um, Okay, over to you, Members. Comments? Councillor Gerrard. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Chairman. Just with regards to this travel plan
5: um, um, and the recommendation from Highways Authority, which is basically, it says, no objection subject to the use of condition to secure the implementation of a travel plan. I heard the comments just made... um, and certainly the recommendation of a new travel plan which would cost in it says here in the region of £5,000. If we were looking at any other application I'm sure we would take the recommendation of the Highways Authority quite seriously and say if that's your recommendation then if you need a new travel plan we should get a new travel plan. So it seems reasonable that that condition should be something that we should look at uh, for this case. I, I don't quite understand why the recommendations should not be listened to?
6: I'd like to, Can I answer that? Because I've just, I've just asked, asked myself the same question, to be frank. But the reason is because... And, you've answered, you've, and the parish's comments have asked me another question. First of all, there is an existing travel plan in place for the whole of the park, for which I assume there would be uh, a monitoring fee that we've been paying to the county council. Now, that that's happening over there... I'm still asking why are the Parish Council asking the question about whether it's working or not. So rather than, can I suggest that obviously you need to discuss the case, but if members get to the point of approving this permission, maybe we would like to take up the Parish ca- the, take up that recommendation with the, it may be a variation of the original travel plan in terms of how it actually works, because this is, don't forget, this is a plan put on. In, this is a part of a greater scheme where there, is a, where there is a 106 and a travel plan in place. Now rather than just secure another travel plan and another £5,000 to go to the County Council to monitor or not monitor what's going on, maybe we should have to revisit the original travel plan. So. So, if members of mindful to approve this, can I suggest they, they also put in a either a 106 package or a 106, or a, a, a deed variation of the original section 106 to consider the travel plan issues and I do pick up what the parish council is saying obviously they 're the ones that are impacted it, obviously the planet's impacted by the, the improved use of cars, but if the parish has been affected by it, we need a proper look around in terms of how this monitoring is working. so I would suggest that if members of mindful to approve it, they add the, the travel plan issue as a, as a potential 106, or indeed a variation, depending on okay. how it comes
0: out. Uh, Councillor Freeman, and then I'll take Councillor Chambers.
2: Yeah, thank you, Chairman. Um, I was always questioned the invest- this investment, but it went through, and so now I support it, because I'm a member of this council. And the £3.5 million pounds to refurbish this building also I support, because obviously we must look after our investment uh, and it's a public investment basically, it's, it's not an investment, it's made on behalf of the public. Uh, so all that I think is good. What is lacking from this site, it's just a curse, when we talk about travel plans, I don't have a greater confidence in travel plans. Of course you can draw them up but I've yet to see one that works. What it lacks is actually public transport. You can't take a bus to this site uh, you can't even take a bus to the barrier onto this site. And an awful lot of people in saffron Walden work either here or at the Genome Institute up the road, or some of them work in Baberham. Uh, a surprising amount of the scientists and technologists that populate these places live in places like saffron Walden, and yet they have to drive to and from work or share cars if they're good. So I, 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 I will vote in favour of this um, proposal uh, because I think we have to support our investment when it comes to things like travel plans I think what we need is some public transport There's spectacularly lacking to this side Councillor Chambers
10: Thank you Mr Chairman Mr Chairman um, I can fully understand what we're actually looking at now with regard to the planning I if I can say I've made my position quite clear I'm I'm uncomfortable with how it works but if it works that way we have to work with the law within the law so that's that's fine what I'm going to say is that Little Chesterford Parish Council I'm delighted that Mr Brown says he's going to take on board what they're talking about because when you have a little hamlet like—sorry, sorry, is a little hamlet to me like Little Chesterford which I've known all my life you want to try and avoid as little, or you want to try and avoid as, as much traffic as you can, because it is very. If anybody here doesn't know it, and I'm sure most most from the north do. I don't know about the southern parts of the, but never. <laughs> sorry, we I'm stray going. up there. Occasionally. Okay, you, you stray up there occasionally. Um, up there, yeah. But it is if there if there is anything that can be done to prevent that traffic going through there, then that, I don't think Little Chesterford have a problem, really, with the um, Chesterford Park, which I can understand. But if you can get a cut through somewhere with, if I go from here to Mr Mills, that's more than a, a lot more than the width of the road. And you've got a bridge to go with it too. You're talking about public safety. So... Hopefully we can look at another angle, apart from the planning side of it, where we can overcome (coughs) that.
0: Uh, what we will do is, if we are mindful to approve, then we will ask Mr Brown to expand on what we might be able to pull in in the way of a travel plan going forward that would address some of these issues. I am aware, I, I'm aware that there is no public transport, but I'm also aware that the, uh, the centres run their own vehicles into some of these with their own coach service and things like that. So they do what they can, and, and I think we've all got to recognise that point. Okay, anybody else wish to speak on this matter?
15: Right. Just, Councillor Hicks. Just a small comment, Chairman. That's to say that I, <coughs> I would have thought it would be extremely difficult to regulate the routes which employees at Chesterford Research Park take on their way home at night. Um, <laughs> there may be a travel plan, but I don't know what plan could um, persuade individuals to uh, adopt Special routes. Uh,
0: yeah. I would like to point out that's why I asked Mr. Brown to do it rather than yeah. myself.
6: I mean, I think the issue is is not about routings. If there are less cars going to the site, then there will be less cars going through the site. And I must say, I'll witness that every single day when I go past there. There's more traffic coming out of Little Chesterford than there is coming from Saffron Warden. So it is a, an absolute clear fact. So.
0: OK, we'll have a look at what we could word to something to perhaps get something meaningfully looked at this and therefore we may be able to get some implementation going forward. Uh, Councillor Davie, I can see your hand up.
1: It's quite simple. It just needs an access only sign. That takes care of it. <coughs> access only for residents. Uh, and I'd like to propose that we go ahead with a
15: recommendation.
0: I have a proposer. Does that find a second? though? Uh, Councillor Hicks? Yes, a...
15: Chairman, I'm happy to second.
0: Right, I have a proposal and a seconder. All those in favour of this application, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven in favour. Those against? None. Abstentions? Hopefully three. Three. Okay.
6: I just, sorry, can I and s- we're going to just clarify what we're
0: <laughs> going to add. Can you, I just be Madam?
6: clear that that is subject to, a, at the moment, subject to a section 106 to pick up the county's recommendations regarding the travel plan, or a deed a variation of the original travel plan. But what I would suggest is maybe as a, once that's sorted out, we bring that back as a chief officer's report in terms of what we've actually secured um, as an information item. And I will continue, and I will speak to the parish. Hopefully I hope catch her now. Ladies and gentlemen, meeting is closed. I've lost
0: my bet as usual. Uh, see you all in four weeks' time. Thank you very much indeed.